0: You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network.
1: Welcome to the Screamcast episode 158 I am Sean DeReger. With me right now Is the man That I've been craving To hear his voice in my ear holes For a long time It's Brad Henderson
0: You're the only one then The only one
1: <laughs> <laughs> Alright So Stephanie Crawford is going to be joining us In just a little bit Anya Stanley is going to be Joining us as well to talk about the It's Alive trilogy. Brad, you cannot hang around for the discussion because you are going to be heading out to some family time with Willow and I'm assuming Janice. So, but we, I wanted to get you here.
0: Who's Janice? Uh, oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> but I wanted to have you on here quickly so we can do some What's in Your Doorstep and I wanted to hear your voice, like I mentioned earlier. That is so, so
0: nice. That is so um, nice of you.
1: Yeah. I do what I can. I try to keep, You're I try beautiful. to make sure everyone's
0: involved. Man. <laughs> Beautiful man.
1: Uh you're going to miss the party. I have a bottle of Maker's Mark and some vanilla di- some vanilla Coke Zero with my name on it. It's going to get crazy. We may do some cocaine and some other hard mainline drugs and we may smoke some marijuana. All right. Or is so you're gonna is miss
0: Noah going to be involved?
1: <laughs> no, cuz that would be uh, illegal and I would be a horrible parent if I introduced my 5-year-old To any sort of mind altering substances Um, real quick though before we get going I want to hear your thoughts on the It's Alive trilogy did you watch watch those at all Uh, just brief random reactions to the trilogy itself
0: sure this is going to be a shocker I am not a huge fan of the trilogy I enjoy all the films on some sort of level. I'm a huge Larry Cohen fan. I love what he does. I love how he makes movies. Um, I highly suggest the King Cohen doc. Um, I just highly suggest listening to Larry Cohen talk in general. Um, it's alive with of course John P. Ryan, who, um, you know, as you know, Mr. Harden that teaches history class from class in nineteen ninety-nine. He uh he does a great performance. I love the idea, um, because I'm sure that's you know, uh every woman who has a baby is uh the fear that she's rowing a demon inside of her. Um I think the first one is effective. Um it's not your typical monster movie, I guess you could say. Like, I don't feel like it's a mon. I feel like it's almost <laughs> like a man. Like, you know, it's definitely a horror film, but it, in a sense, it's very dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it doesn't seem to kick. I like the sequel. I think the sequel's a lot more fun. Um, kind of like I, I compare it. I compare all three to the how the basket case movies went.
1: Right. Okay.
0: They're all they're all very they're similar in tone and craziness. And I like two on It's Alive or It Lives Again um, just because it's a little bit crazier. Um, And then three just was like, hey, what else can we do? Well, let's just make them, you know, taller. It's like, okay, (laughs) Um, But I enjoy I enjoy Larry Cohen because he's inventive. Yeah. Um. He's a very inventive person. He pushes the envelope. He ups his game. He tries new things. So, looking at it from you know the the seventies, eighties uh, perspective, it's uh, it's a very I feel it's a very unique film. It doesn't follow the simple monster formula. He's able to add the his Larry Cohen sprinkles mm-hmm. to it, and that's what I enjoy about the films. But I, it's like if I have to pick Larry Cohen films, it's probably one of the least Larry Cohen films I enjoy. Okay, the well, least. good little uh, I the shit like that. A good
1: little uh, appetizer uh, before we jump into a. Big old discussion uh, about these movies with Stephanie and Anya. But uh, now, Brad, we need to jump into, uh, because we haven't done this. I don't think we did did this on the last episode. Uh, What's on our doorstep?
2: Holy cow. I almost forgot. We'll get the door.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we kind of did like a mini one last episode, but...
0: On top, yeah. We did a mini one. We did like yeah. three apiece or something like that.
1: Yeah, I was like vinegar syndrome shit that we got from their sale.
0: Yeah, you want to go first? Uh, are you just gonna? Are you gonna do me? I'm trying to think. I've I've uh, I
1: haven't watched too much, but yeah, there's a there's a couple things I can talk about. Um, I got extra from uh, Second Sight Films, and I popped that sucker in, and goddamn what a movie! Uh, that birthing the, scene, huh? <laughs> it's amazing incredible uh just a batched fun flick definitely a a a bang-up job from second sight there's four versions of the film on there i almost had a panic attack when i was opening up when i put it in and said there was four you know four cuts i was like oh shit what, what which one do i watch i i opted for which was probably the best idea the original theatrical cut so
0: yeah i think that's the best way to go
1: there's a lot to dive into on this one on that one and uh So, yeah, uh, definitely worth a grab if you want to import this in. I think it is region free.
0: You know what is interesting since you mentioned that? You know, we talked about the basket case and its live movies. The extra movies are similar in that tone, too.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: Like all three extra movies are very similar to how... The tone and even the themes uh, kind of roll. I mean, extras is a different animal, but still, it's or a different monster. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, it's, they're, they're a fun little batch of movies. They're, uh, I think Extro is definitely, out of the three, my favorite yeah. out of those that we just mentioned, even though they have nothing to do with one another.
1: Very nice. Um, I also I'm just in random order here. I don't think I've talked about The Strangers Pray at Night. Uh, I got I picked that up, and I'm a fan of the original Strangers. Like that movie. Yeah,
0: I like I like the original. Too. Like hardcore affected me.
1: Like because that that movie is uh, an exercise in tension and terror, and it's like it's an amazing horror film. And I I'm I wanted I've just got the Scream Factory. Um, Uh, collector's edition of the strangers i'm gonna dive into that but uh but yeah strangers pray at night uh they kind of go away from the the kind of the psychological uh terror of a home invasion it's more of a more of a slasher vibe to it um they kind of play it they play very much like an 80s kind of slasher flick and it's definitely not as um uh realistic But there is a there's a bang up scene. Everyone's talking about the pool scene. If it kind of it's if you're watching it for anything, that scene is is amazing. Um, And there's some some good needle drops in it. And, you know, there's I I love the masks and I love. The tension caused by, you know, these kind of home invasion thing, but it's definitely not as scary if you want a scary movie. It's not as scary or tense as the original Strangers, but. I do like the idea and I like the trailer park settings. I think it's enough to, to chew on there. So definitely worth a watch. It would, I would give it a, I would give it a rental if I was in a rate. If I was in a rate, I rate things on buy rental or skip, I guess. But I would say rent it if you're going to, I'm going to, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, next up, I watched the original Swamp Thing for the first time ever. I have, I have the I original have this, swamp thing, the original West Craven swamp thing. Oh, and I finally cracked open the disc. I hadn't watched it at all. I hadn't, I've owned the disc since it came out and I hadn't watched it. And I finally did. It's okay. I I don't, I don't, I didn't like it as much as I thought I would. It was weird. It was a weird feeling, but uh, still fun. Nope.
0: You're not alone, man. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the same way.
1: I love return swamp um, thing
0: one thing right. I, I i enjoy the film and i love the characters and i love the villain but like i'm just um you know not not i'm not that huge of a fan of swamp yeah. thing i, I feel know that's like, like sacrilege i uh, guess but I, don't, I mean i'm just it doesn't hit me like it does most people it's not bad i just you know no it's just whatever
1: um this would be ripe for like, not necessarily a remake, but if Marvel, because Swamp Thing's a Marvel character, right? If so, if they can, if Marvel can come in and do Swamp Thing, I mean, that would be amazing. I, th- well, I think, ah, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't. know. They would. I don't know if they would. Hmm. I, I take Is it a Marvel? Back. I don't know. I don't. I think Swamp uh, Thing's Marvel, but but if the right director came in, and they treat and they treated it like a horror property or a genre property, like in that sense. Uh, they had the right director in, and if Marvel kind of didn't try to make everything weave together with the whole other universe, if someone just came in and did like a remake of it or whatever, I th- I feel like it would be, it's ripe for that. But um, but yeah, I wasn't I wasn't as much of a fan um because I was watching this and then Return of the Swamp Thing, the new MVD uh real uh Blu-ray, and uh, I just had I I don't know, there's something a little more I guess campy about Return of the Swamp Thing, but it's a little more fun. And and there's nostalgia too. I watched, I watched the shit out of that when I was younger. So uh all right, one more. I watched and this isn't necessarily horror, but it got a lot of a lot of people were like, Oh, it's the it's the uh it's the the Jennifer Lawrence gets nickin movie. <laughs> and everyone was watching that and you know, and, and so it's it's Red Sparrow. And like um I thought it was a really good like spy thriller. And it was definitely, it's more of a drama, I guess, more of like a spy drama. And yeah, she does get naked, but it's not like the main thing. And every time she's put in those scenarios, it's, you don't feel, it's not like they do it where it's like you're, you're supposed to kind of feel like, ugh, like, um, but it's about, it's a story about this, like, I mean, it's this, uh, ballerina and she, like, hurts her foot so she can't perform anymore. So she gets kind of roped into this, uh, kind of a undercover operative assassin school and they're taught as sparrows to use their sexuality and their bodies and stuff like that to kind of you know infiltrate and get in and and either get information or murder so uh i don't know i i thought it was a really good film it was done by i believe the guy who did the first hunger Games film whatever his name is but it was it, for me it was a nice mm. seeing him operate on an r rated level because hunger games were kind of neutered i think by a PG13 with that that you know that kind of subject matter especially the first hunger games um so it was nice to kind of see him operating on a on an r rated level so there is some ultra violence which ultra violence which was great but it's not that's not what the movie's about it's not some hour and a half spy thriller There's a lot more going on, and I I feel like people were going in thinking they would see, like, Atomic Blonde with naked Jennifer Lawrence, and it's not that. I feel like it's a lot more sophisticated than that, but um, anyway, if you're on the fence about it, I would say give it a watch. I liked it, um, and I liked that it was kind of more of a patient film, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but I've, I've had my eye on it.
1: A lot of people focus on the sexuality of the film and there is that element to it, but it's and there is like sexual violence um, to the character. But someone was saying that, oh, you know, she gets raped like 10 times. And it's like, I'm like, no, (laughs) I wasn't keeping a tally, but it is definitely part of the film and and the character and and everything that's going through. But I didn't feel like it was like um, exploitative. Is that the right word? Exploitative. What? Um, It's definitely would be. She's not
0: exploited
1: right no yeah I mean yeah. as it all makes sense with the world she's in and the characters and everything for me like it made sense the way the way that this school is put together to for the, for women to you know um, I guess control through their sexuality there is this kind of brainwashing in the school but it's but it wasn't like like I I mean I think a lot of the people who were talking about it and the critics and stuff haven't watched all these 70s exploitation that we have <laughs> So it's not on any level of these like 70s exploitation films that we've seen. But uh, but but to seeing this in a mainstream movie, you know, that's kind of the exploitation nature of the film. um, I was like, you know, uh, I had to applaud that because you don't really a lot of directors and studios don't have the balls to kind of put something out there like that. So I don't know for me, for me, it made sense with character. I enjoyed the film. I thought Jennifer lawrence did a pretty decent job she's trying to do a russian accent the whole film and she does she does all right and um i don't you know i i like her as an actress i think she's fine uh, as an actress i think she's like she likes to try different things and i can respect that so anyway that's enough about red sparrow but uh it was a nice surprise for me
0: good to know sean Mm -hmm. good to know Mm -hmm. what about you brad Oh shit, me? I only have yeah. fifty. So let's uh, <laughs> let's get let's get down to it. Don't um, need well, to take some a pee of these break. I won't spend a lot of maybe I um I um some of these I won't spend too long on because obviously everybody a lot of people that are listening to the show has seen it, so I'll mm-hmm. just conf- confirm uh, some of these. Uh so anyway's I've got the um, last house on the left, um, arrow uh release west craven of course um definitely the best the films ever looked which i was very happy about because even the dvds of this movie have been kind of shit um and it's definitely uh, an upgrade um with a very nice package like uh whenever they do these hard box sets like this and they you know they treat um, you know, the Argento films, the Palma films, um, you know, Carpenter, they, they do a really bang up job on the releases. So I was happy to see, um, Arrow was the ones that grabbed last house on the left instead of, uh, you know, cause I mean, I mean, screen factory is doing some good work lately, so I'm not gonna dump on them, but I, I don't think they could even come close to something like this. Um, It's got a you know a booklet. It's it's got a stat. Dude, the 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 things that are stacked on this Blu-ray are insane. Like it's just a long fucking list of (laughs) interviews and everything. Like I've never seen. Like I think this might be the most stacked Blu-ray. I've ever seen so nice. if you're in the special features this is a hundred percent and a great transfer so this is um, one of those
1: films I'm more interested in the behind the scenes and the interviews and the act like than I am the actual film and I've and I've actually never seen the original last house on the left <laughs> I've bought it on DVD I have bought it on blu-ray and I bought this one and I've still never watched the movie just because I feel like I'm like and I've watched the remake <laughs> I feel like this one with its uh history well, and I'm like original is you know, different yeah, I the 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 remake yeah. you know made it into kind of a, a re- revenge slasher. Well,
0: they didn't I well, I don't think they wanted to be they didn't want to be mean. And right. that that's that's the problem with the remake of Last right. House on the Left is that you know, um it's it's not mean. I mean, no. It's a fucking mean movie yeah
1: so every time I sit down I'm like do I want to watch this and I'm always like oh god I don't know I need need to just force myself to watch it
0: no I I honestly I think it's an important film and um, like with with um, with the revenge part is insane it's so good okay like it gets so crazy man like it's it's really, really crazy. So, what were
1: your thoughts on the microwave kill would, uh, uh, in the remake?
0: Yeah, that was like at the end of the movie,
1: wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's so bonkers that I. So. That's, the, that's the thing with the remake. It just, it just goes ratches things up to just go kind of bonkers slasher movie crazy. Whereas I feel like the original, from what I've heard, is just completely realistic and different. And just yeah, just a dirty. Grimy film, but uh, not played for like oh shit yeah you know it's it's played for I feel like it's played differently but I, I need to watch it because I'm talking out of my ass right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. Uh, next up is there's a few arrows in here. Um, I I don't know if we talked about the uh the release of Basket Case, but um I I've uh I I like the Basket Case movies. Um, I think they're a lot of fun. Um, and I own that, uh, steelbook triple feature thing that came out a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just really just high definition transfers on the, on the Blu ray. They're fine. But, uh, this 4K, um, transfer they did, man, this, it makes the movie look even grittier and more slimy and dirty because oh, it's man. just, it's just a beautiful, beautiful image. So the basket case release, because it has that New York, you know, a grime, you know, and that and that's what this movie's about. You um, I mean a lot of Henlelders' films are like that. And a- any film that's in New York that's set in the fucking seventies or eighties, you really need to have. Like, I-, I love, I love picking up those Blu-rays with new tran- you know, d- decent transfers because it gets, it really shows you a little bit more. Uh, it's it's a little bit dirtier, and I, I I like that. So I mean, people people have seen Basket Case, so that's fine. Uh, next up is another one that everybody has seen, but again, um, the transfer is, is, uh, is great. Um, it's because this got dumped on Blu ray, uh, a couple years ago. I remember it was like Killer Clowns from Outer Space, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, all of them got dumped on the same day. Well, this <laughs> is the upgrade for Killer Clowns from Outer Space, and goddamn, it looks good. Another, uh, stacked, um, Blu-ray, and I actually got to some of the special features on this, and it was, you know, stuff with the the Kyoto Brothers, um, interview with Suzanne Snyder, which I've always adored her 100%. So a lot of, a lot of special features, a lot of fun, and, you know, of course the Kyoto Brothers put all of their effort into helping Arrow with this, so that was really, really nice to see, and, um, because that movie's always... Like, it's always been around because the, the filmmakers really love it. And, you know, Grant Kramer really loves it. Suzanne Snyder. Like, they're very proud. Like, everybody yeah. loves that movie, um, as far as like the cast and crew. So it was really nice to see, um, continuing that the love behind this. I mean, they just adore this movie. They love it. And I, it's so stupid that somewhere or something they can't make sequels to this. Ugh. It's been talked about for years, but it's so silly to me that we have, you know, like four relentless sequels. We have, um, (laughs) you know, 16 witchcraft movies, um, but we can't get a fucking Killer Clowns from Outer Space sequel. That seems like it would be fairly easy to do because it is such a beloved movie. And it's, you know, it's also kind of family friendly. And I, I don't understand why it wasn't bigger and I know that the budget's always been the the issues because the Kyoto brothers basically, you know, run run this show. Like, why can't they do a sequel? Um, but anyways, uh, hopefully one day. I don't know if it would work now, but um, I I, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing a killer costume yeah. from it space would, sequel.
1: It would work probably as like a one of the a well kind of thing, you know. Yeah. If if ever if that ever um, happened, that would probably be the way to do it. In my opinion. But what do I know? I'm Uh, not a filmmaker.
0: uh, (laughs) The the next one um, was uh, an upgrade. I I think I talked about this film not too long ago. But um, it's one of my, you know, there's a few um, uh, like black and white monster movies that I, I really enjoy. That's not the very popular ones. Like I love Tarantula. And the other one I love is Black Scorpion. And I talked about this, I think, on a couple shows back. But uh, it was upgraded for, uh, for uh, Warner Archive. It looks good. It's got some uh, special features on it, which is really cool. It's got some um, stuff, uh, you know, this uh, interview with, like, Harry Harryhausen um, or Ray Harryhausen. How- I always fuck that up. Um, <laughs> but anyways, it's it's just a fun little monster movie. It looks really good. It's very creative how they did it. The kind of the same thing with Tarantula. But the the stop motion stuff up uh, close up and seeing it on HD now is 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 pretty, pretty fun, Um, you know, because the DVDs that Warner Archive releases are are fine, Um, you know, and they're they're putting the films out there. But I like how they're really upgrading now. Um, So just hang tight. And I'm sure I mean, we got Night School, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, Green Slime, Black Scorpion. I mean, they're doing a pretty cool job and they're pretty cheap and speaking of uh warner archive of course i had to pick up superfly the day of so i got oh, yeah. that um, i actually wanted to watch this real quick before i watched the the remake um because it's been a while since i've seen superfly um and one thing that i love a little tidbit and probably no one's mentioned this yet is that warner archive if you buy their movies Uh, Some of their older DVDs are blue covers, like blue spines with like white lettering. And now they're like blue with uh, gold lettering. Hmm. Superfly. Is pink lettering. And I love that. It's different from all the other ones. Nice. That makes so so much sense, though. I mean, yeah, yeah. I just I just love how they take notice of that. But anyways, (laughs) um, if you haven't seen Superfly, you need to get to it. It's a fun crime movie. Um, it's its dialogue is great, and I tell you what, the, the character priest, um, is played by um, uh, Ron O'Neill. just just a fabulous character, and it hits this like ultimate badass, and I love. Like how confident he is and that's what makes the movie i think and then if you haven't seen the remake of superfly i highly suggest you to do it's Dude. definitely one of the best and awesome surprises of 2008
1: it's the biggest surprise that i've heard this year is everyone like praising the superfly remake i saw the because i saw the trailer and i was like oh hell no there's no way they could even do that justice I mean, Superfly is kind of a goofy movie anyway, but it's of its time and it's fantastic. So I was like, "How yeah. would they remake this?" And everyone that has seen it that I trust their opinion on has like loved it, and it's at the top of all their lists. So, dude, it's I can't so wait good, to see man. this.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing is like you know, I remember um, not too long ago, a couple months ago, I tweeted about it because. Somehow I came across a making of video, and I was like, "They remade Superfly." And they're looking at. I it, it said, "It comes out in two months. Like, what the fuck is happening?" And then, like, it gets closer and closer. They're not doing any press screenings or any no publicity for the film, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, man, yeah, it's one of those things. I don't know what the fuck they were sitting on, but I mean, this is going to be some like dread." Um, Den of Thieves bullshit, where the movie's so fucking good, but it bombed at the theaters and no one paid attention to it. I
1: know, man. So. Den, of, Den of Thieves that one came out of nowhere, and it's a bit, you know, the the end gets a bit, a bit of a stretch, and you are kind of thinking like, how did everything happen? But, dude, Den of Thieves is a fun, yeah, man, that's little a good uh, flick. action yep. heist flick.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> um, next oh, up, George I, I, Butler
1: I, in that is insane.
0: We, we, we talked about this recently and, you know, I got I, I picked up the Blu-ray and I wanted to give it another shot. Um, I uh, I watched. Have you talked about Mohawk?
1: Um, yeah, I have not. <laughs> um, uh, I, I've been wanting to watch it and I just every time I see I want to watch it. And every time I see the costumes and the pictures that I the stills that I see, it just I'm just like. Yeah. I get um, cold
0: feet every time I go I guess to I buy need it. To talk about it. Again. I just need to watch
1: it. Um, because some people I, love it, some people don't like it. I mean, it's just.
0: Yeah, we. And
1: Ted's a good guy. You know? It's one of no, those things. No, I, lo- I love Ted. I
0: love We Are Still Here. <laughs> this is an ambitious movie for him. Um, but I, um, I think I watched this as a screener for a festival. And I was really, really excited to see it. And I gave it another shot. Because I just was like, may, man, maybe I had just had some really, really high hopes. Because I love the stuff that Ted has written that has helped that he's helped out with, and I've also loved his, you know, directorial debut. Um, uh, you know, we are still here, so I was really mm-hmm. excited, you know, because it's a completely different direction uh, from what he's used to. But I, I watched it again, and um, I just it was it was tough for me to get through it a second time. Um, it's very ambitious. But, yeah, I just don't know what it's accomplishing as far as, like, a movie. Because I feel that, um, you know, like I said, it's really tough when you rate a friend's movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, on on a personal level, uh, as, you know, I don't really consider myself a critic. But, of course, that's what we're doing on here. (laughs) <laughs> um, but as a friend, as a critic, and, you know, I want people to trust my opinions, I, I'm not going to be biased. Like, right. uh, if I know you and you made, uh, you know, a not so great movie, I'm just going to say, man, I didn't, I didn't enjoy that movie. Um, I, I might go a little bit easier on it, not, you know, completely tragic because I don't want to hurt your feelings, but for them, <laughs> and I honestly, I don't really do that in general. But, um, unless it's, uh, uh, Deepwater Horizon. Um. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah Peter do and I you heard meet that director's I'm gonna feelings. Tell Peter Burke how much I hate him. Yeah. Um, but anyways, um, with with Mohawk, it, it, there's a lot of potential, and it's very ambitious. But the the whole time I'm watching it, I, I'm feeling that it's shot in someone's backyard, and they're using sets from some school play. Um, hmm. and I I I don't. I don't feel like the authenticity to the time. I I, I feel I feel that it's too cheap. Hmm. Um, and and of course, things, I know it can't be bigger because it's such. It isn't low budget on yeah. trying to do such an ambitious story. It's just really, really hard to get it to get into it, and yeah. it's harder yeah. on a rewatch. Mm. So.
1: All right. Well, and I'll end up watching. I'll probably end up renting yeah. it at some point. I mean, but, um, I know
0: people like it, but again, like it's one of those things where I don't know if people are just saying that because, I mean, Ted's a very prominent guy in, um, in, in the industry. He's a very nice guy. He helps out like with a lot of projects. He's he very, responds to my tweets. Yeah, he's just a very good guy <laughs> and I've always liked Ted and I love We Are Still Here. It was mm-hmm. it was one of the better horror films of that year. Yeah. It was one of my favorites at South by. I loved it. I think it's great. I mean, he's fucking channeling Fulci like a motherfucker, mm-hmm. but like this I just I couldn't get into it. So, you know, obviously I'm going to watch whatever he makes next. I think, you know, he's very you know, he did a he did a good job of what he had but it yeah just this didn't one hit it it just didn't hit it for me so anyway,
1: unfortunately I, I i feel like sometimes when this happens and people notice this but people praise films anyway like I, I feel like maybe it's one of those things it's a budget constraint and he probably deep down knows he did the best with what he could do with the money he had but yeah. it's tough man when you have an ambitious and ambitious script uh and you're not given a whole lot of money to work with it's uh i you know i would hate to be in that situation and and, uh, but I don't know. I'll, I'll give it a watch at some point.
0: Yeah. Um, next up is, I, I think I talked about this film um, a couple times, but now it's finally released on Blu-ray. It's a- on demand, and I highly suggest it out. It's one, one of my favorite movies. Uh, I, damn, I saw this movie like two years. I, don't, I can't remember when I saw this fucking movie. <laughs> I think I saw this movie like two years ago. Now it's like... Uh, you know, officially like out there. So, um, anyways, um, uh, Durf back, Durf. Um, that's the guy's real name. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Durf back, Durf. He was a, uh, he wrote a uh, graphic novel. Um, and he, my do- dog is shaking. Uh, um, my dog's,
1: my dog's snoring. <laughs>
0: Well, my dog is 80 pounds and <laughs> next to me. Um, but anyways, so Durf Baxter, he, he was uh, a friend of Jeffrey Dahmer and he was able to write uh, a graphic novel, um, you know, called My Friend Dahmer. And it was his experience with, uh, Jeff before Jeff started killing people, um, and uh, they made it into a movie. And uh, Alex Wolf, who was in Jumaji, and he's in Hereditary, plays old brother, and he's uh, in um, that uh, Death Note or whatever. So, anyways, he plays Dirk Factor in this movie. Um, but uh, it, it's it's basically using that adaptation from the graphic novel, uh, putting everything into uh, you know visually in a, into a movie. This movie is great. It, it's it's so it it it's good at balancing the the depth of the character of Dahmer or the you know the person of Dahmer um able to uh, to view him as a kid and not a monster um because obviously Jeffrey Dahmer became a monster he's a terrible fucking person um but you're able to not everybody's a monster that is a monster you know they 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 came from right. somewhere and, and that's what the beauty about my friend Dahmer has is that we're able to look at Jeff um, before I talk to him like I know I'm like a person like, hey, <laughs> Jeff. Um we're able to look at Jeff and see um, kind of an innocent person with uh, borderline like developing these, uh, you know, obviously, you know, it's up for debate whether it's always there. Did something happen? I mean, You get to see his home life. Um, you get to hear about his home life. Uh, it's very accurate to what happened. They, they don't really stretch um, uh, the this, this stuff about Dahmer. And then the one thing that I think the only thing they kind of mess around on is the animal cruelty. Um, as far as I know, I, I read a lot of Zero Killer books, and my friend Natalie is a Dahmer enthusiast. Um, she's been to his like apartments and so she's actually going to be on a Netflix show, uh, about Dahmer. They actually called her and flew her to someplace because wow. she's a Dahmer expert. But anyways, I think she even confirmed that Jeff didn't hurt any animals, but I mean, obviously you a bunch of people. So it really doesn't like, <laughs> Oh, you never hurt any animals. It's oh, uh, a cool serial killer. Then. <laughs> um, you know, animals over people. Yeah. Um, but anyways, it's a good, uh, invasive, intimate portrait of Jeffrey Dahmer before he goes out killing. And if you're looking for the movie for fucking serial killer movie, you're not going to get it because he's a kid. He hasn't killed anybody yet. Right. Um, and it's just a very good look at his life and, you know, told through the story of somebody that knew him uh, but didn't know that side of him for years. Hmm. until, you know, of course he made the news and then he was like, holy shit, that's my you know, that's my friend that I grew up with, that I had a good relationship with. Um, So it's a very, it's a very, very very good movie. Um, Just as long as you know you're not going to get any killings, but that doesn't take away from anything. You get to see um, everything bubbling inside. You get to see his mind. You get to see his thoughts. And you really get to see that psychotic side that made him go that direction and it's just it's a really perfect movie it's it's really really good nice. um a Anything couple else? more
3: here
0: yeah, wrap couple up
3: more.
0: Soon. all right got a couple more here um i got in uh the mono macabro who can kill a child finally yes this was one of my favorite movies from the 70s it's violent. It's insane. Um, I've always loved the remake of the film by Mackenoff, Come Out and Play. Um, I, I, I love the story. I love where they kill kids in movies. <laughs> you know, and these aren't just like teenage kids; these are like little kids. Um, but it's it's one of those movies that has no rules. Um And that's what I really, really like about it. It's exploitation and violence at its best in the 70s. And it's made from overseas in Spain. And therefore, they really didn't give a fuck. Um, and they did what they wanted. So if you want an ultra-violent uh, horror film that kind of pulls all the punches and is relentless, Who Can Kill a Child is the way to go. It's, you mean
1: does it, not pull the punches? What? Is that how the term goes? It does not pull the pun- pun- pull punches?
0: Isn't that what I said?
1: You said it pulls punches.
0: It's, 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 you know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you for correcting me, <laughs> Daddy DeRegger. I'm just um, making sure. <laughs>
1: that's my job. So,
0: no. I mean, <laughs> if anything punches, it punches you right in the face because that's how hard this movie hits. So, highly suggested. Great transfer. Monica Macabro does a bang-up job on, on their work. Um, and it's got... Uh, some pretty cool special features on. I haven't really dug into it, but I mean, this is a film that, um, like, it had a DVD release. I think Synapse did it. I, I can't remember, but anyways, it's 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 an incredible movie. Um, so just two more here, and then I said a couple, and then I mean two. So this is uh, <laughs> directed by James Whale. This is a first for me. Uh, for those who don't know who James Whale did, he did uh, *Bride of Frankenstein* and *The Miserable Man*. Um, this is his uh, really, really great, uh, really, really great movie. It's the first time for me called *The Old Dark House*. This is the Eureka release. Um, I bought the Eureka release, and well, I pre-ordered the re- re- Eureka release, but I already had the Cohen Collection one, so I have two copies, but. Um, this Eureka packaging is a lot better than the Cohen one, but it's the oh, exact yeah. same Eureka's transfer. Great. Yeah. It's, it's got a, like a nice little slip cover, which I'm not a big slip cover fan, but this looks good. It even says like it's the transfer from the Cohen media group. But anyways, um, it's a really, really great movie that juggles horror and comedy perfectly. And we're talking about like 1937. This movie came out, I think. And it's just oh 1932, excuse me. Damn, Jesus, yeah. And it's just um, it's got some cool special features. A lot, a lot of, like I said, a lot of the special features carry on over. It's got um, a, a ton of interviews, but more importantly, it has um, it has an interview with uh, Karloff's daughter, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it's Boris Karloff. It's just a group of people that. Are um, trapped in an old dark house, uh-huh, uh, overnight, and some crazy shit happens. I love, I love house movies, like The Haunting, House on Haunted Hill, stuff like that. It, it's just, it, it's in vain of that. Um, but this is one of the first. But Very it's, nice. it's really good. At, it, it's really good at juggling horror and comedy. I really loved it. And last but not least, my favorite film, probably out of the whole bunch. Um, it's been a while since I've seen this. I saw this maybe when I was like 12 or 13. So I really didn't remember too much about it. I just remember liking it. I got to rewatch watch it um, the other night. Uh, it's called The Vampire Doll. It's by the... Um, it's the Bloodthirsty trilogy that Arrow released. Oh, yeah. Uh, three, three films by the same director.
1: I need um, to dive into that.
0: So this is uh, the Toho uh, horror films, uh, the vampire movies that this director did. Vampire Doll, Lake of Dracula, Evil of Dracula. The Vampire Doll is... Amazing! It's so fucking good. Its imagery is haunting. Um, it, it, it's so atmospheric. It's got a an amazing um, color palette. It, it its lighting is fantastic. And man, like I, it has some very very scary sequences. And I'm not, you know, obviously we're all desensitized, and you know, stuff doesn't like make us jump. But, man, if you were sitting in a theater in 1970 watching this movie, <laughs> I mean, this movie scared the shit out of people. Uh, there's there's so much uh, to it as far as being scared. Like, this movie, uh, you know, a lot of these movies from the 70s and 80s uses jump scares, you know, but th- this just has so much imagery that's scary, especially with, with, um, with the vampire doll. Um, she is absolutely terrifying. It's got a cool little unique story but it also has some twists and turns which is pretty unique for uh, at it's time Like it, it, just, it has everything um, and I, I remember watching uh, The Conjuring because I remember certain things about this movie I remember watching The Conjuring and I remember a sequence in The Conjuring and I was like holy shit that is from uh, uh, that movie that I saw years ago and I was having some trouble remembering the name eventually I did, and then I forgot about it. And then I put this in, and I saw that sequence, and I was like, holy shit, this is the movie that I think. And I actually tweeted to James Wan, and was like, hey, um, were you inspired by the vampire doll at all in this one sequence in particular that, that you have that almost mimics, uh, the conjuring mimics a little bit. Uh, but he never got back with me. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. But anyways, uh, the Bloodthirsty Trilogy... Um, I, I, I dove into Lake of Dracula. I like that one too, but it's not um, as amazing as the vampire doll. I haven't seen, I think I've seen evil Dracula, but I have to watch it. You got to understand a lot of these movies were bootlegs for me. Yeah. Um, when I was younger, uh, bootleg VHS tapes, cause that was the only way to get stuff. So I'm not sure if I saw it or not, but the vampire doll I did, but I tell you what, man, watching it um, a second time uh, or third time, however many times I've seen it, it's just it really hit me this time I was like this is truly like a fantastic movie like this was really really good so I'm Fair excited thing. to see what people think about it um,
1: yeah the, the Blu-ray set was uh, fairly cheap for three was films it? yeah oh it was like 30 bucks or under 30 bucks when I bought it which is yeah. crazy for an error release and this is three films yeah so, I, mean, I, I, will I, say... I get it they got to lower the price to kind of get people to snag
0: it because it's you know yeah, I mean, these movies are virtually basically unheard of yeah. for, for for the most part with, you know, your average horror yeah. fans, of course. I, I think, I mean, even when they announced it, I was like, what are those movies? It took me a second. Like, yeah. I can't even really remember it. And, I mean, another reason why I think they're a little cheaper is that, you know, they, they dealt with what they could with the film elements. Like, w- these movies aren't amazingly, like amazing transfers. Uh they did what they best they could. They still look really really good. But I mean, we're talking about some lost fucking movies. I mean, Toho. Oh no. I mean, they're not like, you know, unheard of because Toho's a very big company. Yeah. But um I mean, they're fucking still around today. But um you know, it's just it's just one of those things where uh, the transfers are okay. Like I I think okay. I mean, they they're great for what arrow is working with. Of course. Yeah. No fault on arrows part, but I think it's these films in general in the history. They're probably the elements weren't the best, you know?
1: Cool. Right on, man. All right. Well, uh, you have family time to get to, so I'm gonna let you go to that.
0: I will get to that.
1: (laughs) Uh, Stephanie Crawford will be joining us along with Anya Stanley. Uh, Josh Obershaw is going to swing by for some Blu-ray news. And uh, so we'll get to all that in just a second. Brad, thanks, man, for dropping by.
0: Thanks. Thanks for having me,
1: Sean. (laughs) I love treating you like a guest. Josh Obershaw now joins us to give a plethora of Blu-ray release news. Josh, what's up, man?
2: Well, I wouldn't say it's a plethora. It's kind of a light <laughs> on the news this time around, but some some fun okay. stuff.
1: What do you have for us?
2: Okay, well, this is going to be old news by this point because Severn <laughs> is having uh, a big you know, sale, much like what Vinegar Syndrome had during Memorial Day weekend. Uh, it ran from, I think, the 25th to – wait, 22nd to the – I don't have a calendar <laughs> on me right now, but this past weekend – and uh the big news is that they're gonna be releasing the movie Combat Shock and for pre-order those three days. and as it stand on Sunday night, there were only two hundred and fifty copies left available out of two thousand. so wow. by the time so by the time this uh, episode, that's gonna be gone.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know if it was just their you know their limited edition. Uh, package that only had that many, or if it was actually like, you know, they only have two thousand. They only did two thousand. So I'm not sure. It's a bit up up in the air. Like, is I don't know if this is going to be totally gone when it sells out or, or what. So I'm, I'm hoping there's going to be just a standalone. You know, but
2: well, I guess it depends on how long they have the rights. And obviously, this right. thing sold. So I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure we'll get you know a standalone release at some point. Yeah, hopefully yeah. you just won't get all the goodies that came with it.
1: Yeah, I mean it's forty bucks. You get you get a plethora of things. A hey, plethora. See, there's some plethora going on. I don't know why I'm <laughs> using plethora right now, but uh, but yeah, get get your orders in. If I mean, gosh, by the time I'm trying to get this show out as quick as I can, but with uh, scheduling, by the time you guys hear this, it may be gone. So, but uh, so we'll see. I'll, what I'll do is I'll see what their plans are with a kind of a. Standalone release. My, Sounds I, fair. I think they would. I would think they would offer up a standalone release, but I'm not sure.
2: And it's very rare somebody will put out something limited and say, "Hey, guess what? We're not going to do this anymore." I mean, Vinegar Syndrome yeah. did it with their surprise Blu-rays, but yeah, but I, those are
1: like lesser-known films. You know what I mean? So this one, right? This one, I think we're we're going to be. I'll see what I can find out, and I'll tweet it out, put it in the show notes or, or whatever. So.
2: Well, next up, uh, Arrow announced their slate for the month of September. So let's see what we got. We have got The Day of the Jackal. This is going to be a U.S.-only release. It comes out on September 25th. For both U.S. and U.K., they're also putting out The Baby. And let's see, U.S. and U.K. for September 17th and 18th. That's going to be The Pajama Girl case. And next is Horrors of a Malformed of Malformed Men, excuse me. That is also coming out on both sides of the Atlantic on the 17th and 18th. Incident in a Ghostland. That one comes out early in the month of September September 3rd in the UK only. But the big title is Heathers. Yeah. 1989's Heathers. That is a UK only release. That one comes out on august 20th hmm so they're going a little early with that one
1: wow yeah this this is a 30th anniversary restoration i'm curious how this would look compared because i i think i have just the standard you know studio release that was put out um but yeah it's 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 a shame that it's only it's gonna be region locked another reason i need to get yourself a region free a region free player everybody because this is going to be probably the definitive edition. Unless, you know, sometimes what happens is they'll release something like this. And then they'll eventually get the U.S. rights and they'll put it out later. I haven't heard anything with that. I don't, don't know who, you know, if anyone else is releasing this. But yeah, this is like, I'm excited about this one for sure.
2: Oh, me too. Heather's is one of my favorite movies of all time. And this, you know, when I read that this was going to be region locked i I just threw up my hands and said that's it that's it i'm getting i'm getting a region free player that's all there is to it pretty affordable now you can get a pretty affordable one yes indeed awesome so so once things get settled on on my end that's exactly what i'm doing (laughs) so yeah heather's 30th anniversary restoration coming to blu-ray very nice Ooh. I'm locked down on my phone. Hold on just a second. Okay, here we go. We're back in business now. Now, another company that announced a slate of movies is our sponsors, Vinegar Syndrome. They announced their July package. And this is going to be a chunky one because yeah. they've, got house, they've got House of the Dead. It's going to be a limited release with with slipcover, a movie called Buddies. And we got some naughtiness with liquid assets. Not to be confused with corporate assets, I guess. Mm. And let's see. Is that a DVD only? No, that, that looks like a combo pack. But the DVD only is called Showdown. And we've got two more volumes of the Five Films, Five Years collection. Let's start with this one. This one is... Yep, this is sexy time. Dracula Sucks. The aforementioned corporate assets. Vixens of Kung Fu, Tropic of Desire, and Baby Rosemary. The <laughs> next, <laughs> the the next one.
1: Baby Rosemary title.
2: <laughs> right. Uh, next one, we've got Cry Wilderness, Vampire Hookers, Evil Come, Evil Go, The Cutthroats, Teenage Seductress. Nice. So that's. So it's good that they're actually doing more of those because that, yeah. I think a lot of people are asking for a lot of these movies on Blu ray, but now you can get them.
1: Yeah, these sets are fun. I think this is the first time that they've included them in a monthly package, I think. Um, But yeah, I'm really, really pumped about these ones. Um, they're, I mean, for $27, $28 bucks by themselves, they're a deal because you're getting five or six films five films yeah five films five or six it says right there in the title uh five films and uh yeah they're 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 awesome so
2: yeah and i just want to clear just something up the house of the dead that i mentioned is not the ue Bowl movie from 2003 this is (laughs) (laughs) this is more this is from 1978 so obviously i've never seen this movie so i know brad was excited when uh this got announced yeah so
1: also known everybody, as Alien Zone.
2: Exactly. So, everybody, calm down. Vinegar Syndrome didn't lose their shit or anything. <laughs> so, what else do we've got? That's it for Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, we've got... Oh, yeah, from Warner Archives, they're going to be putting out a Blu-ray of uh, Village of the Dam. That one doesn't have an exact title, but it's supposed to come out sometime this summer. Okay. And finally... Tino Lorber is putting out Cabin Boy on <laughs> September 18th. I know it's not exactly in the Screamcast um, wheelhouse, but this movie is insane.
1: I've never seen this one. You know, some you know every, you know, people always re-evalu- reevaluate a film after 10 years and kind of, or so. And, uh, you know, sometimes movies are, are, Age well. Sometimes they don't, uh, and sometimes people s- try to project that they have aged well. But this one, man, this one was like was was trash when it was first released, and I've never and I, I never saw it because of the re- the reviews were so bad. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm interested interested in catching up with this one because it is a pretty. Creative film, in a sense, I believe it gets pretty bad shit from right here. So <laughs>
2: it's totally, it's totally bad shit. Like I remember seeing the TV ads for this, and I looked at it, going, "Wait, this looks so crazy! I've got to see it." And when I first saw it, I didn't know what to think of it. I was just like, uh, this, this is, this is stupid." So I didn't. So I never saw it again. I never really paid that much. I never gave it a second thought for. God, maybe 20 years until, uh, me and someone I knew decided to rent it one night and I, and second time around was even better. I got it the second time around. Huh. So it is one of those movies. Hmm. Yeah. So after about 20 years, I totally have a different opinion okay. of it and I can't wait to get this one. All right. I mean, if
1: you smoke weed, it's maybe a good movie to smoke weed. Uh, I and watch apparently from what I hear. Um, yeah.
2: That uh, doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs>
1: Very nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to reevaluate this one.
2: Cool. Well, that's all the news I have, Sean.
1: Okay. Thanks, Josh. We will. Uh, we'll talk to you next time.
2: Talk to you guys later.
1: Hey! Well, we are about to jump in to some conversation about uh, the It's Alive trilogy. And to help us out with this, uh, Brad has stepped out to take Willow to Jurassic World 30. Uh, And then in his place, not in his place because she was going to join anyway, Anya Stanley is here. What's up?
4: Hello. Hey, thank you for having me,
1: aka hey. Bookish Plinko on Twitter, so everyone better be following her uh, if you are not, but I'm pretty positive all of our listeners are following you, so.
4: They better, they better, otherwise, uh, <laughs> well, I'm going to keep talking about Halloween sex anyway, it doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, you are a staunch defender, uh, cha- champion, defender's a bad thing, uh, bad way to Champion. I mean, you know, I'm okay with six. like
4: saying it's like not the best Halloween film. That's that's fine. To, I'm okay with Defender because there's an acknowledgement <laughs> that it's really it's not Citizen Kane. It isn't. Okay. And I'm okay with that. Now, but
1: thea- I'm also
4: a champion of it. Yeah.
1: Theatrical cut or producer's cut?
4: Oh, producers. We don't okay. talk about theatrical. Okay. We don't, we don't
1: do that. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. uh Super excited to have you on. I've been trying to think of an excuse to have you on the show since last time so i'm glad that it worked out for this and i figured you know it's alive we're talking about you know mutant killer babies so i needed to have a mother on here no offense stephanie um you know
5: yeah
4: rev (laughs) it in thank you (laughs) i mean are you are you calling my children mutants
1: I think they are. All children, in some way or another, are mutants. <laughs> they so. are. They're
4: very monstrous. They're, they're awful, <laughs> awful little abominations. Is what they are. I
1: always That's tell okay. people after having three kids, I'm like, you know, newlyweds or new couples and stuff talking about having kids. I'm like, how long? How long have you been a couple? Uh, don't just <laughs> jump into kids because we did, and it was it was ridiculous. And uh,
4: it's a lot. It's
1: but a I lot. love my. But I love my kids. Don't get me wrong. Uh, they're awesome. But, you know, if you're thinking about kids, maybe wait a couple – uh, let that kick around for a couple of years. That's all I'm saying.
4: I mean, I feel like the It's Alive movies are a great method of sending that message across. I'm saying, you know what, maybe hold off a little bit. <laughs> maybe <worked> on me. <laughs> right, right. They should show this, this, these films, at least the first two, mm-hmm. and, uh, and like, you know, uh, sex education classes. <laughs> yeah.
5: If we're going to yes. go abstinence only, we might as well work the live movies on. Why All right. not? <laughs> right.
4: Got to give the kids some kind of fun and we'll I'll, it's a live, we'll do it for yeah. them.
1: Awesome. Well, these just came out recently via Scream Factory in a nice little box set. And so when this was announced, there was much rejo- rejoicing. Everyone was excited. Um, I had never seen any of these. So these were a dark spot in my, uh, my horror watching. So, I was very excited that my first viewing would be on Blu ray. Um, you know what? I think I had the DVD and never popped the DVD in because I just had it's into the stack, I hadn't got around to it. Um, but what's I wanted to ask both you, Anya and Steph, what are your what's your history with the It's Alive movies?
4: I saw the first one uh, when I was it was on TV when I saw it, and it was oh gosh, I had to be like 12, 13, somewhere in there. <laughs> and uh so at the perfect age to see a movie about about uh monster babies i guess mm-hmm. um, and i think i had recently gotten like the talk from my mom about how babies are made and all that stuff you know at, at that <laughs> that late age where you know but you know you, your mom has to have the talk with you anyway or your parent has to have yeah, the talk
1: i'm i'm at that with my daughter my, my wife my wife talked to my daughter but my son's 10 going to be 11 and i'm pretty sure yeah. he knows but, you know, you have a, as a parent, you got to be like, just making sure you know how the things, how it really works. Right. Just, just, just My making son is sure.
4: 10 and he, it's the same thing. Where I, I think he I think he's got a good idea of what how it works. But mm-hmm. uh, I feel mm-hmm. like I want to I'm mostly there to dispel any um, any wrong ideas about how it works. You know, you know, the rumors <laughs> that, that go around when you're in middle school about, right, you know, right, right. what does and doesn't work as far as conceiving. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I remember all that. And kids are stupid, so you yeah. really, you really gotta, you gotta, you gotta <laughs> drop some knowledge. What were we talking about? It's a lie.
1: <laughs> it's a lie. So, so, so yeah. still, do you think
5: <clears throat> either of you are gonna work this into your talk? I sh- I should. Like maybe <sighs> clear it up, and then kind of slowly bring this. It's like okay, and this will sum it all up mm-hmm. for you. <laughs> I think
4: so. Because- <laughs> this Larry Cohen film ought to do it. <laughs>
1: Because the, the interesting thing about these, I feel like, you know, they're almost, I mean, my kids, my daughters especially, for sure, could watch this. Because it's not, like, there's nothing too gratuitous in any of these films. Right. Uh, except for the, you know, the possible, like, the, well, the birthing scenes, I guess. But even then, it's not, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I think this could be lumped into kind of introductory horror, I think. But, Ani, you've been yeah. on this kind of journey with your oldest son so what what do you think he
4: hasn't seen this either actually Mm. um i think yeah i think the the most shocking thing would be the the birth scene but Mm -hmm. um my kid he's he's a weird one and he likes the the goriest most shocking scenes (laughs) because of the the makeup effects he he's the kid who likes to um watch magicians and figure out how they did it and so um for him, like like figuring out how they created this illusion is is the be-all and end all of watching horror for him. So if he were to watch the birthing scene, I know for sure that he'd be like, Oh, look at the blood, look at the puppetry here, look at I wonder who, who did the animatronics for this. And, and yeah, he he's a weird kid. So he's not the best litmus test for um <laughs> <laughs> for other kids on, on introductory horror. But um, yeah, I don't think it's it's too bad for I, I'd say like older older kids, mm-hmm. you know. And the subject matter alone is, is a lot for a younger kid to handle anyway. <laughs> and it, it's, um the pacing is, is great for, like, adults watching the film, but for a kid, eh, it, it takes a while for anything yeah. Uh, yeah, shocking enough for fun. a kid to
5: happen, yeah.
1: St- Stephanie, when did you first see uh, any of these It's Alive films?
5: I had only seen the first one before this box set. And it was maybe five years ago on DVD. So not that exciting of a story. (laughs) But I beat you. So that's good.
1: You did. No, I'd I'd always uh, there was there was this um, this uh, like used movie slash record place up in Riverside uh, called Mad Platter. And I would always go there. I think it's still there. I haven't been up that way. I used to work up there and I would always like the owner knew me by name or the manager. But they always had like these It's live movies in the DVDs. And like for the longest time, I would kind of browse past them because I hadn't seen them in it or anything. And, uh, and I finally bought, you know, this first one. So, yeah, I, mean, I was excited to kind of finally get to this for sure. Let's go ahead and uh, jump into the first one. So, we'll talk first about 1974's It's Alive. So, this is by Larry Cohen, as we've said. this uh, I'm seeing that this was rated PG, this first one. I don't know Don't know if what? that's... I don't know, you know, it's number one, I'm on IMDb. Number two, it was, you know, 74. Right,
5: so, so it was back when it was PGR or X. Yeah. Mm.
1: So, I don't think there was the... the you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what I was So thinking. Anyway. Um,
5: <laughs> well, yeah, kind of proves that's what you're saying, though. It's not very yeah. gory. Um, There's not sex or anything like that. So they, I don't know. It's one of the, the few films they would probably prefer to be R, but they're like, sorry, guys. You're going to have to get a PG for this one. Yeah. But I mean, there's.
4: This yeah, there's one, no nudity or anything in yeah, this there,
1: there. Yeah, there's the there's the there's the first kind of attack scene, which is pretty, you know, for, for its time, I would consider it pretty graphic. But um, yeah, you know, but I think it ups the ante in the second one, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But but this one out of the three, for me, I I popped this in and um, over my lunch break at work, so it took me like two <laughs> days to watch this, but um. But I, I popped, I, I popped it in and I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to go back to work. Like this one, the first one for sure out of these other, other films really like had me tense and, you know, Mm -hmm. the beginning and how things, uh, pan out for them going to the hospital and those scenes there. Like, like this one, like it really did feel kind of like the tension and dread in this one, uh, in particular. And, um, because it plays with a lot of different fears as a parent, you know. You, of course, you always, when you are first going to be, you know, having a kid, you want to, to make sure that there's no problems. And I remember, like, when we were having our kids, they're like, my dad would be like, uh, "Well, has all his fingers and toes right?" You know, this stupid joke. <laughs> and it, but that's you think about that as a parent, uh, and you know what? You want to make sure you know everything goes smoothly. And, and th- this one played into all that, I think, perfectly, and almost more than it being like a monster baby like that was just part of it. But, um, but I really Mm -hmm. did. I was was on the edge of my seat with this one. I was wondering, you know, how you both felt about, about that
4: out of the three films. Um, I think that there's like a lot of, uh, obvious Frankenstein parallels, uh, Mm um, not just from, you know, they obviously the film's title, but there's even like a sequence in the film where, um, Frank, the father, he's, he's reminded of, of watching Frankenstein, the movie. And he kind of seems to see the, the kid, as his kid, as um, kind of symbolic of that, that monster, of uh, Frankenstein's mm-hmm. creation. And um, he kind of sees himself as, as having sinned, in a way, um, as the creator of, of that creature, a partial creator. And so he, he denies this kid his son and joins like a hunt for him at first and I feel like um, not this one the strongest but all of the it's Alive films play around with these these structures of thought about creation but it's specifically through the lens of fatherhood which isn't something that you see all that often in horror
5: so mm-hmm. it was
4: kind of cool to see that um, with this film I mean you know with with a lot of horror when we talk about like creating something it's usually like a, a through the lens of motherhood, like the brood and and right. you know stuff like that, and so this one was kind of a welcome, uh, uh, a welcome, a, a breath of fresh air, um, in that sense. And I, I wouldn't have expected that from a Cohen film either. Not to say anything <laughs> bad about Cohen it's just it's not what I would <laughs> yeah. have expected, in um, a good way. And mm-hmm. I, I liked it. And I think that yeah, there's definitely um, a fear. Uh, A universal fear of creating something or or having a kid with with some kind of problem, not necessarily because you don't want that, but because um, or or that you wouldn't like your kid, but because you don't want your child to be shunned in any way or any kind of stigma against your kid, which happens in the film.
5: Right. Yeah, that that's a wonderful lens it looks through because it starts out with the classic like smoking in the waiting room just a bunch of guys (laughs) kind of detached from it and it ends with him crying and screaming over his baby and that entire journey um, I think when you hear about a movie with the title It's Alive (laughs) Mm -hmm. whatever it is, it's alive and deadly Uh, that's not the kind of nuance and character journey you're expecting Um, But Larry Cohen, he was pretty open about how much Val Luton impacted how he Mm -hmm. approached this movie. He was really big on not showing it too much, Mm -hmm. which, of course, he kind of threw out the window (laughs) later in this series. But for (laughs) this one, um, even though you have Rick Baker making the babies, um, you mostly get glimpses. uh, And part of it, he's holding a dog. Instead of the actual baby, <laughs> there's just like a lot of mystery, and I think that kind of works in with his journey too. Like the closer he gets to the baby, the more we see it, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, the pacing, the reveals. I I think it's. I don't want to throw around the word masterful, but you know, I think it <laughs> for this one.
1: Well, yeah, I think I mean I feel like it's a really a really strong you know effort from you know from Cohen, you know, Larry Cohen here, because I, I I feel like for me, out of all the movies that I've seen of his, and I'm trying to think. I mean, I guess, mm, I guess God told me to kind of had some of that. Did he direct that or did he write that? He, he directed that, right? God told me to. Yes. Um, that was, there's a lot of tension in that one, too. So that was a couple years later. Um, but, you know, I, I recognized him when I first was starting to get, you know, figure out who he was I think the first Larry Cohen movie I saw was Q um, yeah. and then uh, you know I guess the, the ambulance and you know things like that but, um, but yeah, it's alive like you I was expecting more of a kind of a B goofy kind of monster film and I was I was surprised to find that there was this you know uh, undercurrent to the film with with dealing with the father and, and you know parenthood of like you yeah, this kid's a monster, but you know, I guess it's still my kid, and and what like how that plays out, and what that all means, and everything. I mean, there's a there's a lot more going on in this film than I guess I was expecting it to.
4: Yeah, there's definitely a really big struggle uh, going on, internal and external struggle, um, with the father, and uh, not not so much with the mom this time
3: around, mm-hmm.
4: um, but definitely with the father, um, and so. I thought it was it was a pretty cool arc for him to have where he's he's trying to decide between you know the greater good and between this this primal need to uh protect his his own flesh and blood
5: right and something is more unleashed than just birthed, yeah <laughs> and also like i I guess it could be slightly clunky, but I thought it was interesting that they focused on pollution a lot mm-hmm. and like ah, oh, there's lead in the coffee, and look at the smog out there, and we're creating a new breed of roaches by poisoning them. They're <laughs> bigger and meaner and harder to kill, which is you know great foreshadowing.
4: Yeah, you know what? Because it was made, what was it, seventy four? I think yeah. this movie was mm-hmm. was made. Yeah, in the seventies, they had a lot of that that kind of eco horror stuff that was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trend wise, and not not even just horror, like stuff like uh, like Day of the Animals, and and stuff where nature turns on you, the environment turns on the humans who, who've who been mistreating it. And so this this is, uh, it, it creates an interesting uh, cultural undercurrent in the movie. Yeah. Although I think he was, um, I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but I, I, I know that in the 50s and 60s, they had those um, birth defects caused by the drug uh, thalidomide. I don't know if oh, I'm pronouncing okay. that right. Oh, right, yeah. So maybe cuz in the I think I'm not sure if it's in the first film but in the later films they they reference that 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 it might be these these babies like the Davis baby might be um might have been caused by some kind of birth control or drug that they took at the mother's
5: it, took.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, I know it's, it's I think, hinted it's hinted at that.
5: Yeah, I Is think it, the first one it's more environment and the second one they get more into drugs. Oh, there we yeah. go. Yeah.
1: Hmm. But I think you know, but I think I guess that all could be connected, you know, with the environment and pesticides and all this kind of stuff and making these drugs. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I was, I was wondering, so I was watching it. I don't know if I missed, if I missed them talking about all that, but I was, I kept watching through each of these films. I was like, I was like, nah, did they explain how the monster babies are made? But it's not like, like in a in a film today, there would be there would be like a whole scene, you know, at like yeah. a pharmacy or a pharmaceutical type company, and something would happen, and that would be all explained. But they can't, they kind of keep it a little bit, I guess, vague. They're not, you know, I don't think there was a scene where she was like, "I can't believe I took the pills," or, or, or was that? Yeah, or?
4: I couldn't remember.
5: Yeah, yeah. I, I think and it no. might be the second film. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to go off topic. I just have a really quick question for both of you. Has anyone seen the 2009 version?
1: <laughs> I was about to oh. bring it up cuz I just noticed that.
5: <laughs> like, oh that shit, there's a possible? There's a know. remake. I think I
4: saw, I think I was looking for it on YouTube. I was looking for the third one cuz I was uh-huh. like, I, there's no way I'm going to pay to rent the third one and and so I looked for it on YouTube and uh, I think it came up with with something that was not the original. It's Alive Films. Mm-hmm. Was that Was it under the same title?
1: Yeah. Yeah, 2009. Yeah,
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Directed by Joseph Rusnak. <laughs> I don't know who that is.
4: Did did I? Did anybody watch it? No, I, I did not. No. <laughs> okay. We just right.
1: basically noticed that it's the thing. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, now I'm gonna have to watch it. Now I gotta see what's
5: up. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Let's pause here. Let's all go watch. it. <laughs> okay. and come back.
1: I'm I'm looking it up right now. It's so a 2008, uh, directed by Joseph Rusnak probably pronounced that right and did the wrong accent but uh, he's the director of the 13th floor um, and I'm trying to think, see if there's anything else that he did uh, no strings I, I, attached yeah, I regret bringing much,
3: this
4: movie yeah. nothing <laughs> much after that
1: uh, so, yeah, so there's a remake everybody we have not seen it but it's out there
4: you can do a follow up on, on the later
5: episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah for club scum
1: If any of you, if any of you have seen it, please let us know how it is. Uh, tweet us, email us, read me at thescreamcast.com, uh, and let us know. All right. Moving along back to, back to the alive of the 1974 film by Larry Cohen. Uh, we haven't talked about the cast too much yet. Um, John P. Ryan plays Mr. Dave. Is it Davis or Davies? Davies? Davis. Davis.
4: With an I, yeah.
1: Okay, uh, and he's one of those actors. Like, I'm, I'm like, oh, that guy. He was the, uh, gosh, what else has he been in? Was he, was he in in Donnie Darko, or is it a lookalike? He's too old to be in Donnie Darko. He was in
5: Runaway Train. I don't think he was. Class in 1999.
1: Donnie Darko. No, no, he, he's like the same mouth as like the dad. In Donnie Darko. Same mouth. Yeah.
4: Oh, the dad in Donnie Darko. That's a. Uh...
1: Yeah, I'm having no, a no, brain no, right no, Now I
4: gotta go look it up. Look
1: it up. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's
4: not the same guy. It's no, no, no. I you're I, right. They do have the same like thin kind like, yeah, of like bird-like mouth.
1: Yeah, but uh, but I know why he's front and center in my brain though because he was in, he was in Star Time.
5: Oh, That's, okay.
1: And then Class of 1999. So he's he's recognizable there. There's there's some connections. If you haven't listened to the uh, Class of 1999 episode or the Star Time episode, I highly recommend them. If you want to learn more about those movies, um, but yeah, so he so he was in this and he plays he plays the dad, and then uh, Sharon Farrell uh, plays Mrs. Davis, and I don't know if I recognize her, but she's she, I guess she was in Night of the Comet, Night of the Comet, and Lone Wolf McQuaid. oh, and uh, some other films like that, so.
5: I love how alike everyone looks in this film. But Larry Cohn pointed out, he's like, I think everyone in this movie's Irish. I could have just filmed it in Dublin.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely white suburbia for sure.
5: Yeah, heavily freckled people. Mm-hmm.
4: I did have a lot of freckles. I was wondering if that was just like what, I was, like what I was watching it on. I was watching it on, I think, Voodoo. I read it you know, on Voodoo. <laughs> I was like, is is this some kind of weird transfer I got or or is there something, some pigmentation thing? No, they're just Irish.
5: (laughs) So I, when a lot of people talk about this film and we didn't even mention it, but kind of the abortion subplot. Yes. Because in the beginning, like right before she's about to give birth, she tells them, I'm glad we decided to have a baby. And a lot of people say, oh, yeah, it's alive. It's a pro-abortion film. (laughs) And I think, you know, a big chunk of that was kind of the time period it came out. But I'm wondering if either of you like picked up on any of that. I... I got the, the
4: the line like i picked it up but i didn't mm. know what to make of it like like if they were saying that that was a good thing or a bad thing like she should have aborted it like like i mean it doesn't seem like the best advocate for <laughs> abortion know. like <laughs> you'll have monster babies if you don't <laughs> abort them and it felt like the weirdest pro-abortion statement <laughs> <laughs> if if that's what it was or if it was just a throwaway line because it is a Cohen movie and they yeah. have a yeah. lot of those too
5: <laughs> So I there are doomsayers throughout the sequels like oh you can have that baby i don't know about that (laughs) oh yeah the sequel yeah there was a there's
4: a few of those guys
1: (laughs) well um the first the first one out out, out of these three i think was my favorite i had a lot of fun watching it and like i said like this one it really kind of kept me kept me going. I was really wanting to see what was going to happen. I was really invested in characters, but that's, that's what's uh, great about this film too. Is like, they do keep, you know, the, the monsters aren't all, aren't front and center. And you know, you, you can kind of take that as like a pro or a negative. Like I, I kind of wanted to see more of the monster, but I feel like maybe if we did, we wouldn't have had, you know, been so invested with the characters. But um, but yeah. i I was trying to figure that out if I wanted to see more of the monster or not. And I feel like throughout all these, except for the third, maybe you still don't get a good glimpse of all these guys.
5: And the third one, are you kidding? It's uh, probably practical, yeah. they practically have like a line in a musical. <laughs> no, I know.
1: There. No, 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 I said except for the third around one. around on the
5: beach twirling a cane. Except for the <laughs> yeah, except for
1: the third one. They, but they still kind of don't shoot them like head on. They're always kind of like at the side or their back.
4: Yeah. You They're know? kind of peripheral. They're in the shadows. Yeah. They're there for, for just a moment on screen. I, I do like that. Uh, I feel like um, the fact that I wanted to see more of them, which mm-hmm. I did, um, I think that it was a, a testament to the, the, the good creative decision to kind of keep them shadowed. Um, I think that was a good. I don't know whose call that was. If that was a Rick Baker thing, where he's like, "eh, maybe we shouldn't show these so much on screen," <laughs> or if if that was Cohen, but but it was. I think it was a good call.
1: Yeah, yeah, Yep. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a huge fan of this film. Should we move on to, to the sequels to see uh, what we think about those?
3: Yeah, but, um, yeah. But yeah, this one
1: for sure. Like, if yeah. I would highly recommend, it's alive. The first one, uh, I think, is very strong, and uh, yeah, surprisingly. Effective in the kind of unsettlingness of it. So let's move into It's Alive 2. Um, or It Lives Again. Came it's out uh, again. four years later, I believe, in 1978. Uh, produced and directed again by Larry Cohen. Uh, John P. Ryan is back. Uh, Andrew Duggan is back back he was in the first one we didn't talk about Andrew Duggan um but he's back he plays the professor I don't know how much he was in that one though um so we have kind of uh here we go like we just had the one mutant baby in the first one and then now Mm -hmm. we learn that there are a few uh like this is a phenomenon that keeps happening And uh, John P. Ryan is back as Frank Davis and he is, uh, he's, he's like kind of helping track down these monsters, (laughs) these monster babies. I don't know if he has like some sort of sixth sense, but he, uh, he appears to a a couple and uh, does some sort of test. Does he do a test? How does he know that they have a, a, um, um, they're going to have a a mutant baby? I,
4: I assume that he had an in, he knew a guy or something like that who was working with the facility. Yeah.
5: You uh, see, they're just right ahead or right behind the death squad. Hunting yeah. Of babies.
4: <laughs> yeah, the baby hunting death squad, which is a real thing in this movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. They, they <laughs> almost they kind of take the uh, the aliens approach in a sense where this definitely is bigger. There's definitely uh, some tactical squads involved more than just kind of, uh, you know, local city police. Uh, there's the kind of a hunt going on. It never goes the level of uh, of aliens, though, of course. Isn't there a uh, a cheap zombie movie that is basically aliens with big mutant babies?
4: Oh, I would like to see this oh movie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what movie is this?
1: I'm trying to think. It's by uh, oh, find let's see. It's like funny because I reviewed the DVD, of course, and I'm trying to find that. <laughs> Back when we were writing uh reviews on the site. Uh I'm I'm gonna take too long to find this.
4: So in this one he, he the Frank he tries Bruno to Matei, warn
1: sorry, Bruno Mate Bruno Matei. Um Bruno Matte, he did uh Is it Island of No Island of the Living Dead? Hold on. Yeah, Island of the Living Dead. I think is the, oh. they become uh Zo- there's like these weird zombie babies, or is it zombies the beginning? It's one of those two. Uh, no, no, it's zombies at <laughs> the can't beginning. Trust
5: babies on an island. Bruno Mattei.
1: Big like there's zombie babies, and it's a direct ripoff uh, of Aliens. Uh, anyway, sorry, uh, Anya, I interrupted you. Please continue. Uh,
4: what was I talking about? Oh, he tries to uh, he tries to warn these these other parents, Jody and Eugene. And uh, it's played by, who's it, Kathleen Lloyd and Frederick Forrest.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And uh, he's, he just, like, shows up in their house, like, when they're they're <laughs> yes. trying to have a baby shower. Like, who's this weird dude? Is he with you? And <laughs> he's really he's just on the couch. They scared. handled right. that
1: really well. <laughs> right. I would she's not. She's like, oh, I
4: thought he was with you. Right. She's like she's like eight months pregnant and she just like sits next to him and was like, Hey, you want some coffee or tang or whatever she offers to him? (laughs) Like, it's nothing like some strange dude rolls up in my house at a baby shower. I'm calling the cops, but yeah, get the fuck out, man. Bye. They totally like allowed him to speak his piece (laughs) for the most part until uh, Eugene was like, yeah, you need to get out with that conspiracy crap. And uh, that's what he does. He tries to like, uh, uh, warn them about this vast conspiracy to murder their baby mm-hmm. and other unborn mutant children. It's a lot to handle really. <laughs> know, for, there's a lot going on in this. <laughs> some, some soon parents, to soon to be parents to handle. But um, they are, I think they, what, what was it that convinced them to, um, was it when, when Mallory shows up, when, when the, John Marley shows up, that they actually yes. kind of mm-hmm. uh, come
5: around? Yes. Yeah, and by the time they get to the hospital and there's literally 5,000 oh, yeah. cops outside <laughs> of it. And that was an interesting uh, uh,
4: take on, on this film for a sequel where they they kind of, in the first film, it was more um, science was kind of like an antagonist. And, mm-hmm. and then um, this one, there's kind of like there's science and then there's also this brute police force. And the um, the parents are are kind of trying to navigate between those two. Um, and it's, it's cool how they had kind of had two different schools of thought on how to deal with these, these babies. And the, the scientists were kind of, kind of nurturing. They, they at least treated the babies as if they were human for the most part, but, uh, the cops, well, they did not. They wanted to, uh, they wanted to, uh, snuff out these abominations immediately.
5: Yeah. basically. Yeah. <laughs> Treating him like a health crisis,
4: yeah, yeah, <laughs> and um, that was that was pretty interesting uh, how they went about going that uh, going that route uh, because that's, that's like two different conflicts going on yeah. in addition to what the parents are going through trying to uh, deal with this this struggle, the same struggle that Frank went through. Right. Eugene goes through the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, although, I I like Eugene more than I liked Frank. I don't know why. I, I like his arc, not not necessarily him and his little pencil thin mustache, but his, <laughs> his arc. Hey, you know, he's what, a little bratty, but <laughs> he's a little mm-hmm. bratty. Yeah, he's a little kind of mewly. Um, but I think he's he's kind of given a more complex, meaty character arc than what most horror sequels call for. And I think that his 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 struggle to accept his own child. Mm -hmm. It mirrored Frank Davis in the first film, but it was also really heartfelt in this film, at least for me. Um, I thought it went a a long way toward building this, this emotionally connective tissue that made the plot a little bit more harrowing than usual for, for a sequel. I wasn't expecting to to enjoy this film at all. and (laughs) I kind of (laughs) did.
5: Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I also think the wife role, Jody, she had a much meatier role than the the wife in the first one, which was great. It was kind of the perfect sequel build, really. I mean, you kind of have the bones of the first one, but everything Mm -hmm. was enriched. We got a little further with uh, what we knew about the babies, how many people are getting pulled into the whole situation. Um, Yeah, it it really didn't feel like a cheap, quickie um, takeoff of it. But I guess what happened was they originally released It's Alive in the theaters barely, and it like immediately disappeared. And then three and a half years later, Larry Cohen talked to the new head of distribution, and he's like, Can you give my film another chance? He looked at it, he's (laughs) like, Yeah. And I can't imagine this happening now but he opened it wide it became a huge success so four years later they're able to bankroll a sequel
1: yeah that's interesting like they know that there's no way that would that would happen now yeah uh, (laughs) although i
4: desperately want that to happen with annihilation now Oh yeah! <laughs>
1: God damn it! It yeah. won't happen.
4: But I, now I want it to happen. We have precedent now.
5: Do <laughs> we call Larry Cohen? Maybe he can.
1: <laughs> Larry you did it once. Help us out. What what'd you do? What, what's your secret? Yeah, because, because I mean, normally, because this was before the home video explosion, right? I mean, this was people didn't have VHS as wide. Uh, I I don't think so. Right in this in 74.
5: No, I think (laughs) this was back when they were gigantic and expensive and there weren't a whole lot.
1: Yeah. So, you mean, because today, like maybe it's live would come out and a movie like that would come out and it wouldn't do well, but there would be word of mouth through either Mm -hmm. rentals or streaming. And then maybe a sequel will happen, but that doesn't always happen. Like, uh, you know, Dread. Dread never got a sequel. And it was a really good well, movie. Oh, now
5: we're getting gloomy about movies that <laughs> <a good laughs> chance
1: to <deserve> them. <clears throat> You didn't have like, you know, there wasn't message boards and then Twitter and social media blaming people for the failure uh of, of a movie, you know, um, and all that. So um I don't know, my wife's texting me.
5: Yeah, it says a lot about Larry Cohen's gumption. I think probably being the director, the producer, and the writer. Yeah, um, he, I, I can almost imagine him like sitting with the film and just staring at it and be like, "God damn it, this deserves better."
4: <laughs> yeah, I like I like how much thought was put into this sequel. Uh, they he didn't have to do that, and he he did it anyway. And I don't know, I, I I'm gonna say it, I like. The second one more than I like the first one. Whoa. I actually did. Yes, I do. Wow. I like it more. Really. Out of the three, I I revisited that's the first one. I watched the second one, and I I I sat through the third one, and then um <laughs> uh, the next day after I watched the third one, I went back and watched the second one again. But I still haven't gone back to the first.
1: Really? So, yeah, that, yeah. That's interesting. mean I I love the first one because of because like I said like. I wasn't expecting it to be tense, and so I was really invested. But yeah, no, It, uh, it Lives Again, or It's a Life too. definitely ha- is a great sequel. And it feels organic, to The first movie, it doesn't feel... Nothing feels tacked on. Nothing feels like, oh, we're going to do this again, just bigger and better. Like, there is that, but they definitely... Um, yeah, that that's that, and that's what I really appreciated about about this one because so many sequels just they didn't know they were going to make it, you know. And I don't, you know, they probably didn't know they were going to make this either. But it, I don't know, I, I don't know. There's just something different about this. It's one of the better, like it's it's added onto my list. Cause every you know, every year we'll see someone do a list of you know series with sequels better than the original and, uh, or as good as. And I definitely would say well, this is this is a very strong sequel.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Law mm. Karis put it, and he got uh, Bernard Herrmann again to do the score. Mm. Like I mainly know him from his Hitchcock movies, but he did Citizen Kane, and then he <laughs> went on to do Taxi Driver, and it's gorgeous, and it really, God, it adds a lot to the first two films.
1: Is uh, was Rick Baker back for the effects, or no? I don't. I'm not seeing anything that with Rick. I don't think so.
5: For right. the second one, I thought he was maybe, but. Uh, Anya does your son like specifically know effects artists like Rick Baker
4: yeah he can name a few uh, he can name you know like Savini Baker and uh, <laughs> you know a few artists um, he can it, anytime I'm uh, cuz I'm always watching some kind of horror or genre movie for <laughs> something. So every day after school he'll come by and he'll get his his cup of juice or whatever and he'll say, "Hey, what are you watching today?" And usually it's something it's something that I can tell him about that he hasn't seen. And so he'll say, "Oh, who did the effects for that? Who 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 worked on that?" Nice. And so um wow. And then if I can't name an artist, or if it's like a slow burn kind of film that doesn't really have that, then he loses interest immediately. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah cool. so I've had trouble selling stuff like *The Omen* to him oh. because it doesn't a have a little that, more philosoph-
1: that, or, right, that that really
3: philosophical.
4: Right, it doesn't have that element to it.
1: Yeah. Uh, cerebral is what I meant to say. Um, yeah, Rick, yeah. Rick Baker is, is back on it's alive, uh, too. So he did All do right. the effects again. Um, this was the one where they had the three in the cage, right? So they, 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 yeah. <laughs> so the first scene, it's like, you could tell they're just dummy. They're just dolls. They're just sitting there. Um, but yeah, but like this, this movie, like, so they, they, she has the baby and, and they take her to they they talk them into I guess coming to like they took the baby away, the monster baby away, and then he's in this uh, you know the, this other building or other you know I guess it's more like a res- not really a resort but um, I don't know some bunker it, or something. it compound. was
5: like a special school yeah right it,
1: it had a pool um, and they are they, they have had a the kid babies
5: traveling. there ominous. <laughs>
1: Oh man, that pool scene is funny when he's like, I want to go in the pool. And it's like, you know, obviously like no one's been in that pool for months. It's just disgusting. I I'm like, not kept up.
5: Night.
1: Yeah. Why would you do that? Uh, so yeah. So, far, so they have the three. So there's the three and, uh, but, but you know, you've already heard, I, was there three or 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 had they been saying that this has been going on for a while since the Davis baby cuz i thought i heard that they, they were mentioned that even before the movie starts at the beginning they talk about that something happened to another couple or somewhere or, or are they yes, just kidnapping the all these gathering all the mutant babies
4: i don't know actually i couldn't tell by that mm. i think i think they just keep um keep just gathering them up i think it's <laughs> it's like a it's like a an epidemic at that point
1: uh huh yeah, so I don't, I don't know what their 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 plans were to. I mean, they're studying them, uh, and they're almost like trying to train them in a way. But um, the, like there's, the
4: one guy definitely was.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and is he the guy that just opens the cage like a dumbass?
4: Yeah. What was that about? He was like the <laughs> he was he was like the supervisor. He was like the administrator. He should know better, but he was like he just like popped it up. I think I like that that it. one that that baby in particular was the the male baby, uh-huh. and I think that one in particular he trusted more to to gotcha. uh, mm-hmm. go outside of the cage. I think he had mentioned at one point that there was one baby that he had opened the cage for before, and I, I think that might have been the same one. Okay. Uh but yeah, you would think that it would be like one of the the lower. You know, like lackey guys, like one of the guys who was kinda, you know, smoking in the room or something like yeah. that.
3: Yeah,
4: that that would have done it. But no, he just pops up the
5: cage and of course little whole boy like mm-hmm. jumps on him. Yep. Yeah, I love that. They're sensitive to smoking. Dude, all babies are sensitive to smoking. Come on.
1: Uh, no, so this, this was definitely, is, is is pretty great. I'm trying to like, like I said, I'm, I'm awful at taking notes. I'm just trying to remember back to kind of my favorite parts of the thing that most, you know, stand out to me. So that, that bunker and the, the pool and, and all that stands out to me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean this, this, I had a lot of fun jumping into, uh, the second one. Is there anything else that stands out about, uh, that you really liked about it's alive too?
4: Uh, yeah, the second one, um, the, the babies, they were kind of, I know they're the monsters and everything, but they were kind of more complex than uh, I thought they would be mm-hmm. going in. Uh, it, it's a lot like Frankenstein's creation where they are at the same time monstrous and completely helpless. Like they need to be eliminated, but they also need to be shown this humanity <sighs> and nurturing. And uh, it was kind of cool to see uh, different defenders and attackers go back and forth about mm-hmm. that. Because they did show uh, uh, unapologetically to the audience that yeah they, they are an abomination and they will attack you and kill you but they were also you know pretty helpless like like any infinite infant
5: animal would be at other times
4: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's I mean- an
5: interesting balance. <laughs> Yeah, like they didn't ask to be born into this world. Like, leave them alone. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's actually
4: the defense given uh, yeah. to them in the courtroom in the third film. <laughs> they yeah. didn't ask to be here. <laughs> well, and then
1: that's the thing. Like, I feel like in It's Alive, too, especially you start, you see they do a better job as a couple kind of showing you the kind of like weird, that weird torment that they have, you know, by being, you know, kind of sympathetic. And kind of wanting to nurture, to try at least try to nurture their child, <laughs> but yeah. uh, but if this child gets away, it's going to murder a whole lot of people. Um, I don't know. I, I like I like that seeing that dichotomy there. So this one was this one was, was rated R. They go for the they go for the gore a little more. Um, yeah,
4: definitely a little more.
1: But I, I think still feel so, I think like some
4: people get shot too.
1: Yeah, it's still on the same kind of level. I think as... As the first one is just maybe the ratings kind of changed a little bit or maybe there's an extra bit of blood that uh, caused for the R rating on this one. But I still think we're still in, you know, relatively safe, older kid territory.
4: Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I think this one is actually a little bit more uh, definitely paced than the first one as well. If you're if, if that's what you're looking for with with uh-huh. your kid. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's definitely um I think the added struggle of of the added conflict from the the cops versus the the scientists uh kind of give the film a lot more to to talk about and do uh, and a faster rhythm to go by
1: did the uh did the monsters look better in this one like what do you think they improved on since the first one I but I, I felt like it it wasn't uh that it kind of There was a, I guess, growth there in the, uh, the effects department, but it still all felt kind of similar to the first one, you know, like there wasn't anything too jarring, like, oh, that looks way better, you know?
4: Yeah. They still kind of looked, uh, I mean, I guess a little bit more advanced than the first one, but they still kind of looked, uh, basket casey, you
3: know, like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like the,
4: yeah, we'll do the basket case. It's, It's pretty much what, what I think of when I, when I see them, um, yeah, I think that there there isn't much to go on, you know, because they're they're so small. They're kind of mm-hmm. the size of a hand puppet, <laughs> and uh, unless you're talking about the third one, in which they're, they're
1: right. not the size of a <laughs> hand puppet. We'll we'll jump into the third one here. Uh, in in a second after I pour some more Maker's Mark on the my cutting <laughs> laser. Yeah, Sponsored
4: they have by Maker's Mark. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a Ooh, case, please. you can please. hear it
4: pour and everything. Well, and now, a, now I'm selling
1: it. now I'm putting in my. Coca Cola vanilla zero. Oh, there we go. <clears throat> sorry. I uh, sorry oh. I'm, interrup- I'm interrupting. <laughs> nice. I had, ha- you do that, I had like, half that like right of next to the can- microphone. <laughs> no.
5: Make sure you go. <sighs> <Yeah. laughs> no, I I I I promise I'm Say not gonna smoking.
1: slurp. I won't slurp into the microphone because that's just that's just disgusting. That hearing like people eat and drink and stuff on podcast drives me crazy. And uh I used to listen to this one and I swear every single time one of the hosts would be like mowing something down. (laughs) It was just like, I want to hear your thoughts on the movie, not, uh, you know, I don't want to hear you chomping down your pepperoni pizza.
4: You know, I heard it one time, someone was drinking something on a, on a podcast. I can't remember which one, but it, it, I I don't know. I found it kind of, uh, comforting. So I think I'm one (laughs) of those people. That like okay. likes those those ASMR videos or something like that I, I don't listen to them but I think that I'm one of those. <sighs> Is that better? People. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Did see? You get the tingles? That
1: was, <laughs> that was a little little uh, dramatic. Um, right on. So uh, it it's live too. Um, so we got, we can say that yeah, just as good as the first one. Would you say? A, yeah. a proper a proper sequel.
4: A proper sequel.
1: A proper sequel. Now we're seeing things start to get a little bonkers. So uh, yeah, now's the time to dive into it's alive three Island of the Alive. Oh boy, oh boy, this one goes places. But I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, I'm trying to see if Larry Cohen was involved again. I think he was involved with all these, so he directed this one too. You want to go
5: to Hawaii? (laughs)
1: That sounds about right. Is that right? Was that that in in an interview?
5: Everybody knows that. Oh, okay. I mean, just (laughs) common knowledge. Yeah.
1: (laughs) This was '87, so we have a nine-year gap, and uh, somehow people still were, I guess, wanting some. It's a live sequels.
5: (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. I don't know who. <laughs> but, uh, I'm not wondering yeah. if there's a clamor for it. Like, Come on, man. We just wrap up the story, or if he's like, oh, could try that out. It's an interesting time in his career when you look at like the first two and this one because this one he just he did the stuff before this and he was just about to do a return to Salem's Lot. Mm-hmm. So it's like a little bit more of a batshit time in his career. <laughs> Like, I I love it. Yeah. He
1: He apparently shot uh, It's Alive, this one, uh, It's Alive 3 and Return to Salem's Lot uh, back to back. So he had got, I guess he started working with uh, Warner Brothers and I guess they wanted him to remake House of Wax. He wasn't interested, but they still wanted him to make a a film for their straight to video division. I guess that just had a video division. And he would say he would do it if he was able to do two films to be shot back to back. And that's when he did these. these the it's a live sequel. Uh, and then the single the last sequel.
5: And I want Michael Moriarty for both of them.
1: Michael Moriarty. I am torn on Michael Moriarty. He's a bit of a he's a bit of a goober, right? I mean, he always kind of is right.
5: He's a loose cannon. <laughs>
1: Wasn't he in that uh, wasn't he in that haunted office building movie we talked about, Stephanie? Was he in that one too?
5: Oh, uh yeah, I think okay. he was. I don't know if I don't think I like
1: Michael Moriarty.
5: Well, the thing about him in my opinion is he always acts like a stage actor even though yes. he's doing a film oh he was in Dark Tower yeah no he is a stage actor on film hmm. he, he doesn't seem to change his approach at all and I've noticed that there's like through this whole trilogy there's a lot of sweatiness in the actors <laughs> but no one is greasier or sweatier than Moriarty
1: oh yeah he, was, he, he probably had his own like you know sweat assistant
5: yeah oh and he does have that Irish boiled look <laughs> like hardcore and this one so i love him but he's a complete oddball and that's kind of why i love him yeah
1: he, yeah he's he's just so awkward and he's always talking to himself
5: <laughs> he yeah, talked to himself all the time like in dark tower external <laughs> Yeah. just wander into the foreground and just talk while the person's standing back they're like oh.
1: Okay. He's just mumbling all the time. He's mumbling about the thing he needs to do and the babies and the mutant babies about. <laughs>
4: That's pretty spot on.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've been working on that. I've been <laughs> workshopping it. I've been going down to the club.
4: <laughs> I'm proud of been you. Yeah, the
1: improv. Um, so this opens on a courtroom. Uh, not no. It doesn't it doesn't open on a courtroom. It opens up with probably I think maybe the best scene in the film. Yes. Where you have. A cab driver driving like a bat out of hell. There's a woman in the back. She's going to give birth. The cab driver pulls over and a police officer who I guess they're trained to deliver babies, apparently. Oh, uh, and you have this sense. amazing like scene of this police <laughs> officer trying to deliver this mutant baby in the back. And <laughs> she's like it's coming and then all of a sudden you see her, her dress and her pregnant belly is gone but then there's the you know the obviously the head is right there between her legs and then boom some major gore awesome like I stood up clapping I was like here we go <laughs> I'm ready for you island of the alive this is great uh, an awesome like Then like bite is like a chunk out of his hand or I don't know it was it was crazy and it ends
5: in a Catholic church, which is totally your yes. jam. Yeah.
1: It's my jam. <laughs> any horror happening in any church setting, I'm down. Um, fa- fantastic. Like a fantastic opening to this film. Then we get to the courtroom and um, there's Michael Moriarty.
3: And-, and
5: Garrett Graham, my husband. Yes!
3: <laughs>
4: there are, there are like a handful of actors in each era that I get excited to see pop up in a film and Garrett Graham is one of those actors. And so I was I was beside myself with glee when I saw him pop up as a lawyer in the film. And he's playing a jerk lawyer too. Yeah, he's very stern. He does not disappoint. Shrek. I liked it. I was very happy to see that. And awesome. that opening scene, yeah, I I saw that and I was like, okay, we got a damn movie here. This is this is happening and I was I was I was fully invested. So kudos to it's alive 3 for for at least starting off uh, <laughs> on the right foot. Cuz that they didn't they didn't have to go as hard as they did with with the uh, the effects there, but they they showed oh, that man. that pregnant mother full frontal uh, <laughs> with that that moving lump under her dress <laughs> yes. and yeah, then that, that- that was jarring.
5: Yeah, <laughs> that's another thing. Each movie, the the pregnancy, the delivery scene got a little more intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is what eighty seven. So I feel like they had to. When, when did The Fly come out?
1: Oh yeah, it's around that time. They definitely were like, "Oh shit,
4: stuff's getting stuff's
1: getting crazy." Everybody, we need to go. We need to go batshit here.
4: All right. Like Cronenberg is a thing. Well, Cronenberg was a thing in the late 70s, so yeah,
1: too. The Fly was 86. This was a year after The Fly. So,
4: Yeah. So, so you yeah. know they saw that, that fly. Yeah. And they're like, oh, and then, we got we to gotta level up here.
1: I want to say, when was The Blob? And The Blob was 1988, that remake. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're getting into the gore stuff. And then by that time, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street had been going full force mm-hmm. with its insanity. Yeah. Um,
4: Oh yeah, and you had the later Friday the Thirteenth films, and then you had the uh, the Halloween films that picked back up. I think by then you had like the f- what was it the fifth one? Fourth or fifth one? The no, end. yeah, the- I know. I should know this. <laughs> I should know this. But yeah, you know, all the all the big franchises were were um, yeah, were churning stuff out at the time, and so I'm sure that that there was definitely um, a, a, an impetus to. Uh, step up the gore game uh, more so than the the first two films did, and I mean, and probably not keep uh, the the creature in the shadow. Maybe that's why they kind of they didn't quite keep the the Davis babies in the uh, not well, it's not the Davis baby, but the the mutant babies in the shadows so much anymore in this one. Because in the eighties, a lot of these uh, oh, yeah. monsters and creatures were kind of front and center and, yeah. and they weren't in the shadows yeah. anymore. And they were kind of their own icon. Maybe they were trying to do that with, with the, the mutant babies.
1: Well, this one they do, they do some stop motion. Yeah. And you know, it's very, the gate, you know, ish yes, with yeah. the, with, with the backs. And then they, they do some of that stop motion. Uh, so I was hoping they would do more because I was like, Oh yes, <laughs> I, get, <laughs> I get excited whenever there's some stop motion stuff. And, um, so yeah, so Michael Moriarty is, uh, He's pleading for, I guess, for the life of this mutant baby that's apparently his, right?
4: Mm-hmm. Yes. Until did you, he did you say yes at the, the same time? That yeah. was like a
1: crazy stereo stereo stuff in my ears.
4: <laughs> yes, the baby is his.
1: Okay, and then uh, Karen Black plays his wife, <laughs> and always happy to see Karen Karen Black in a film.
5: Mm-hmm. All wide eyed and crazy.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, you're not gonna get the subtle mother in this one, if you have Karen Black.
1: <laughs> Not at all. Um, uh, all right. So, so basically, uh, this whole setup is to basically get these, uh, babies, uh, they apparently decide that all mutant babies are going to go to an island. And then this becomes like this little adventure sea movie, uh, five years after the babies have been dumped on this island. And, uh, Michael Moriarty is, uh, you know, has to get to that that island. Are they? Why are they going there? Are they going there to uh, study them or check on them? What What was the reason on getting getting into boats and?
4: I think it was to study out, them, right?
5: Yeah, just to see how they were growing, what was happening, mm-hmm. and like at that time he didn't want anything to do with it, but he was out of money, so he had mm-hmm. to write a book about That's his right. experience and. <laughs> That guilt kind of drove them to be like, yeah, let's go. Let's look at these babies.
1: Because <laughs> I guess they're kind of seeing like, are are you know, they're still trying to decide if the pharmaceutical company is to at, at fault, right? Are they still mm-hmm. kind of hashing that yeah, out? Yeah, a lot apparently? of talk of lawsuits. So, mm, yeah, 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 So this has been going on for years, for almost a decade. Because uh, this takes place, I think they kind of do the real time thing where it takes place years after the first two films. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they end up on the island. It kind of turns into this, uh, you know, predator people in a, you know, jungle island kind of dealing with these uh, mutant babies for a while.
4: I should jump in and say this is definitely not predator level, though. Um, this is, the, this, <laughs> no, you know, it, no, no, no. it definitely is that that kind of scenario. But but don't go into it thinking <laughs> you're getting predator, predator babies. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> It's definitely kind of a, and then there were none kind of a, a yeah. plot going on. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. People get picked off and, and these babies, uh, they know the terrain
1: very well. Yeah, they do. I feel like they didn't go, like, it's 1987, 1986 probably when it was filmed. Like, they didn't go to that level of just crazy, you know, horror movie gore. You know what I mean? Because that... Like when people are getting picked off, a lot of stuff's off screen. Like, I feel like they really could have upped the ante to this film a little bit because they kind of knew, you know, they had to have known what they had kind of going in. Like, this is be, you know, creature feature with mutant babies who are kind of now they're like juvenile mutant baby mutants. Uh, yeah. And like they didn't they didn't really get there. In the in the, especially in the island sequence, I feel like I felt like a lot of that was just kind of weak. I was hoping for yeah. more.
5: it's I pretty f- brief.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: I felt like the um the film opening was absolutely perfect, and if they had stayed at that level, yeah. the movie would have been great. But yeah. uh, they they kind of just I don't know. They just thought, oh, we don't need to do that for the rest of the movie. Let's just keep it at you know kind of <laughs> camp campy dark humor and and that should be good enough to keep the audience going.
1: Yeah, well. So, I- I almost feel like they maybe, I feel like they, I was going to say maybe they filmed it last. I mean, they needed like after a test, a test screening, we're like, oh shit, we got to add some crazy stuff. But apparently that was intentional. They wanted to get all the monster birth stuff just out of the way in this kind of prologue um, just to get it out of the way to go to the next part of the film. So it, it in a way was tacked on.
4: I felt like it was, um they were setting a tone that they intentionally didn't follow. And it, it, it pissed me off. <laughs> it didn't yeah. piss me off, but it was just like, why, why would you do that? This movie could have been so rad if, if you kept that going. Yeah. And
5: it's it, kind of like a Jason takes Manhattan situation. Yes, exactly. boat, it feels like you're on the Island for such a short time. Then it's mm-hmm. right back.
4: Yeah. That's actually a perfect uh,
5: analogy there. Yeah. Well,
1: the, he it. did, he did get his little free trip to Kauai, Hawaii, Kauai, by the way, fantastic little island, nice and laid back. There's a place called uh, Kauai Brewing Company, and they're really awesome. And there's chickens everywhere. But if you okay, want a brag. really, really relaxing get away from the craziness and the you know all the hot bods on the beach and everything in Maui, you know, uh, Kauai <laughs> is like the rural. Old person hangout that I loved. It was very relaxing and quiet. It's beautiful, and I think they shot some Jurassic Park there as well.
5: Hey Sean, have you ever been to Hawaii?
1: I've been. I've been to Hawaii. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I don't really want to focus on it and brag about it, but I've been to Hawaii. oh no, of
5: course not. It was amazing. So I've
1: been to Hawaii. Kauai, no, kawaii though is amazing. Fuck all like the Big Island and all that kind of stuff. They all felt like you know. I felt like I was on the beach in like Southern California. uh a little more tropical but you know but kawaii i really felt like i was in like hawaii it was really nice anyway um sorry for going off on that tangent
4: (laughs) oh but you know what the other uh there is one other scene that i was actually pretty into in the film um where uh michael moriarty he he chills and hangs out with a prostitute for a little bit and then <laughs> oh, she yeah. she figures out she's like man you look really familiar mm. and he's like oh I gotta go look at the time and <laughs> as he's getting dressed she's like no 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 you look like really familiar like I sleep with a lot of dudes but you look familiar <laughs> and then she figures out that he's like the guy who had the mutant baby and then she's disgusted with yeah. him
1: yeah
3: and
4: she's like get out of here he touched me and I no, thought that was the uh, that was great the, uh, yeah, the irony of this scene yeah. was really cool, and, and the way he was stigmatized, it was it was all really cool.
5: You should tell people before you try to make love to them. Yeah, <laughs> yes. that was a really good scene.
1: Look, we're about to get it on, but just just so you guys know, just just so you know, uh, uh, i got to a mutant baby. It's not an island, a baby. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. It, it was it was the birth control was not me. <laughs>
4: I was young and needed the money. <laughs> Not contagious. I thought it was, it was really cool just because, it, you know, she was a supposedly unregulated sex worker uh-huh. who, you know, probably hadn't been tested for anything herself. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, she she just laid into him. She was, she was disgusted. She shrunk into the corner and was, like, rubbing herself like a oh, like crying yeah. game. Yeah, she, was just, she was just all disgusted with him. That was pretty cool to see.
1: She was like going to be searching for like that uh, that shower booth in Gattaca where he has to get all the stuff. <laughs> that was no, a cool but, scene. but yeah. Then there's some there's some there is some cool ideas in this, and I feel like it gets. It's funny that you say that it take it, it, it takes not not much of the movie is on that island. But I felt like that draft like that part of the movie, which should have been like the coolest part of the movie, mm-hmm. kind of drug and was like okay, like something. We need to have something really cool happen, but then what happens is like the three or four. So they've spoiler alert for nineteen eighty seven movie about mutant babies. Uh, <laughs> they discover that they can reproduce. So there's like a baby, mutant baby.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's a baby of the baby family. Babies babies. of mutant babies. Yeah, huge spoiler where we're breaking the thirty one year rule. Yeah, I think, you know.
1: The, uh, I don't know. But I mean uh, they tried
4: to they kinda got a little violent with it when they um there was there was a guy who was like kind of crucified and hang hung hanged? hanged hung <laughs> yes. hanged upside down. I think he was hanged upside down. It was kind of predator like there. Yeah. Uh
1: yeah.
3: yeah but yeah. still kind
4: of goofy. I think Marco Moriarty made a little like one-liner quip after that or something <laughs> <like> that. <laughs> i know
5: he, he almost looked annoyed by it like oh, ah yeah. yeah warned like you it. oh well yeah but see even
1: I, all I that stuff it. is kind of off screen and you you know uh yeah
5: it was kind of they
1: didn't go
4: there like you said oh, wow. they didn't go
1: there he just didn't uh they neutered it
5: i do like how they all No offense, charlie um,
1: charlie no offense <laughs> My, dog,
3: my eventually
5: the babies want to get off the island. So they mm-hmm. kind of commandeer the boat. And I love how they're just <laughs> haunting Michael Moriarty through the window. It's like, you, you, you better be taking us where we want to yeah, go. Yeah. Mister.
1: Hey, what's up? Like we ate everyone already. Like everyone's been eaten. You're like the only source of food, but, uh, if you get us there, we'll eat when we, we'll eat on the beach.
5: Yeah. he like sense this and he just writing in his journal, like, I think I'm okay as long as I keep the boat going, yeah, because these guys really want to eat me. He does a lot of that.
1: Like he's <laughs> so like, like he he does like the dictating his writing uh, mm-hmm. type stuff. He must love voiceover work.
4: and he this that ending, well that that kind of second, third act there, um it was actually kind of parallel to the lost world, you know, the the Jurassic Park uh, sequel. Like where like the, the dinosaurs like totally get on the boat and they go all the way to San Diego and then they go on a rampage like this. It's kind of the same thing.
1: Yeah. Oh, a little bit. I think Steven Spielberg kind of stole some stuff. There may be a lawsuit. Yeah. It's uh, a three. Did anyone Shamble. get some humanoids from the deep vibe once again at the like, carnival?
5: Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Monsters like the boardwalk, arriving at a beach. The yeah, a boardwalk. Chaos. Yeah.
1: yeah. I was, I was hoping. I was like, okay, I don't even care if they rip off humanoids from the deep right now. Like, I really need some crazy action. So this would be amazing. <laughs> it doesn't happen, but, um, but you know, it, it kind of, uh, I don't know. It, it, and at the end, it kind of brings up the whole dilemma, you know, parent, parental of mutant baby dilemma at the end again, and I thought that the end, when they kind of, I, fe- I felt like they kind of stuck the landing, though, with how everything pans out, uh, with the characters and, and, and the creatures and everything, and I, I did appreciate about that, and that, I won't, I, won't, I don't want to give any of that away, but, um, but I feel like it kind of, you know, the film kind of starts off strong, has some cool things here and there, loses its way when it's supposed to be super awesome, but I feel like they kind of stick the theme, the thematic landing at the end. I was wondering what your thoughts would be on that.
4: Mm. No, I feel like, am I wrong? I feel like, no, am no, I no, wrong? no, no, no. I think, I think you're right. Um, I feel like they, they just like for me, like the opening scene was it. And yeah. then everything just, after yeah. that was just constantly diminishing returns up until the end. And, uh, so I feel like they, that the end was, it made sense and it was all right. Um, but but it's still, It didn't do it for me. Yeah, I feel like so okay. someone else here probably has something more positive to say about it.
5: <laughs> maybe no, maybe not. No. Well, no. Uh, Am I the I only guess one? I I'll defend it.
1: I'm not. not defending. I'm just, you know, just trying to like, I uh, think like positive. Yeah, this is definitely it. not as strong as the uh, <laughs> Stephanie. I'm sorry. What are you gonna say?
5: Well, you're both completely right. Like it begins like gangbusters and gets your hopes up and. Yeah, the pacing changes, the location changes could be a little jarring, um, but it's so quirky. And (laughs) I'm one of those weirdos who really likes Return to Salem's Lot. It's just like the kind of choices where you get Sam Fuller to play a guy hunting Nazi vampires. (laughs) I feel like you can see glimpses of that in this movie. Mm -hmm. So. I fully agree with you. It loses steam. The first two are definitely better crafted. Um, I think if you can like kind of look at the goofy poster, kind of (laughs) surrender yourself to it. Um, it, It's fun. It's, you know, it's quirky. It's off kilter. It's uneven. But Mm -hmm. I, I enjoyed watching it. Yeah.
4: Would you would you go back to it again? You think it's worth revisiting?
5: Yeah, like I mean I would probably be like really high next time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Why not?
1: Yeah. Well we I don't all know. have those
5: those kind of movies. Yeah.
1: Depending on what depending on what you what you have, like, that island scene may feel too long. You know Well, it has uh, the
5: commentary I haven't listened okay. to. <laughs> okay, right. you know?
1: okay. Yeah, yeah. You know what what would what would have made the island scene like really amazing is yeah, these kind of reproduce But there may be some amphibian DNA or something. And there's like 10 babies. You know what I mean? Like, instead of just one little baby, like 10. And they kind of like, and they're a little advanced, more advanced. And I was hoping for like a scene like that. Like, you know, Like Teenage Mutant It's
5: Alive babies?
1: Yeah. Well, no, just like a swarm of (laughs) mutant babies descending. You know, like in Jurassic Park 2... At the beginning, when the girls on the island, the little kids are on the island. Those little mini dinos kind of all run up.
4: Oh yeah!
1: Like imagine that Mm -hmm. with little mutant babies.
5: (laughs) People were in suits in this one, right? (laughs) At the end, yes, because they aren't they aren't little. They
1: they definitely are 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 bigger. Yeah, I mean they've they've had a family.
4: You You know know, the the way that the the mutant babies. Leap onto people in the first two <laughs> films when they attack them. It would be kind of cool if they did have that, like some kind of amphibious DNA that allowed them to leap further and faster, like frogs. Oh, That'd be yeah. kind of just leech onto them, like yeah, right. Now, now that. you got human frog hybrid babies. Okay. I would be very into that idea for Jurassic World
1: <laughs> Three. <laughs> Jurassic World Three, we're gonna combine <laughs> mutant babies with mutant dinosaurs. And maybe Cyborg Army.
4: That's what's up. I've got a, a group of producers who want to do a remake.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. We'll start a Twitter. I'm pretty sure we can say we have a group of producers who are ready to, to front 200 million <laughs> uh, to get please this please film made.
5: Email us how much you will donate to Here's us. Here's what we'll and say. We'll, and we'll get right on it. We will have audience participation,
4: we'll have fan interaction, yes. the entire writing process, the entire step of the way. And
5: we'll Whether keep you loved it or hated it. We want your input. <laughs> right.
1: We need to save Jurassic World for the Jurassic World franchise. We give us money to make Jurassic World 2 remake with Mutant, It's Alive Babies, and Dino Side. Riders.
4: Dino Rider. With lasers. <laughs>
1: What's in, that just, it just what is in my whiskey, everybody? Coca Cola? Yeah. That, that
4: was your chance. That was your chance to plug. Yeah, dude, sell what's it. in
1: my Maker's Mark whiskey is Coca Cola <laughs> Vanilla Zero, uh, not this Coke Zero. Sugar zero, whatever bullshit. New oh no, he's Coke going zero. into his rant
5: about the formula change.
1: <laughs> is still, I think the original Coke Zero formula for some reason it's mixed with vanilla. I don't know.
5: So, are you still drinking the new formula?
1: I do not drink the I new Coke Zero. In. I do not you drink Coke quit. Zero sugar. I have switched to Diet Coke, and there's like a weird wow. green can that's like part stevia, part real sugar. I'll drink that on occasion because it's only. It's like lesser calories. But uh, Coke Vanilla Zero is my jam right now.
5: Yeah, I sold out. I'm drinking that. Damn it. (laughs) Stephanie, you were my only. I'm sorry.
1: The only person who was on my side.
5: I still am. It's inferior, but (laughs) damn it. I can't go back to Diet Coke, man. Damn you, Coke,
4: (laughs) for putting us in this position.
5: (laughs) Tearing us apart. I'm sorry you had to witness this on (laughs) you.
4: This episode of Screamcast brought to you by Betrayal. <laughs> I'm are backstabbing. You,
1: are are you? Uh, what what's your soda I don't, of choice? I don't
4: like dark sodas. Oh. I know it's terrible, so I, I go I with like a Sprite or or okay. a, even worse a LaCroix. Mm. I, I've been having LaCroix lately. LaCroix, is it's slice It's all. Around? Is a slice? Uh, yeah. Do they still make that?
5: I don't know. I was checking <laughs> with you.
4: know. <laughs> uh-huh. This I mean, is maybe. now the
1: Soda Cast, uh, new new uh, podcast, the Soda Cast with Sean, Stephanie, and Anya.
4: We can put in some serious product placement on this new Holy Jurassic shit. Park film. That yes, we're writing.
1: Fresca. I mean, come on, who talks about Fresca? Fresca. There's we'll like three surge. different flavors. Fresca is really gel- good with vodka.
4: Yeah. All
1: right, um, I All think I I think we wrap. But we can wrap <laughs> up the conversation on It's Alive Three, the Island of the Alive. Uh, lesser aliveness but uh, you know kind of a fun little cap on the trilogy not as uh, not as good of a through line as like one to two like one to two feel distinctly connected and I love it when franchises can keep that going not not many of them can and it's live one and two definitely feel completely connected with it's live three kind of you know, jumping into bad shit territory is still all like, I mean, I think they keep all the pretty much all the rules that they've established in these uh this film. I and mean, they're not there's not like a whole lot of. Yeah, they're not established like anyway,
5: though <laughs> so They did a Gremlins 2 kind of thing where there's like a professor baby and like <laughs> the femme fatale baby. Maybe I could have. Uh, that. Yeah, they they Maybe. they
1: communicated. <laughs> they were able to communicate. with like telepathy. So I guess there's that um anyway did any of you watch any special features uh i was unable to but i wanted to ask you know did you check out anything any interviews any audio commentaries uh at all
4: i did not Uh, i rented the first two and then i watched the third one on youtube
1: okay shh let that out i'm let that out (laughs) Larry, we're sorry.
5: Childless one, I did. I listened (laughs) to the first two commentaries and I watched the interviews.
1: Nice. Did you know
5: that um, monster makeup kit um, in the second one at that kid's birthday party, which is a great scene? Uh um, That Cohen started out doing television, and he did like a horror TV show. And that monster kit was based on the episode he directed, so he kind of put that in as an Easter egg. What? Very nice. Oh, that's
4: pretty awesome.
1: <laughs> I was about to ask you, uh, Stephanie, do you have any did, 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 anything in your notes? Anything you gleaned from uh, the commentary or, or any of the uh, interviews you watched? Anything else? Any other interesting tidbits we have not discussed?
5: Oh, well, it's for alive? the Cary Grant fans out there. I, I love them. I don't know. <laughs> but, but the house they end up in at the end of the second one was the house in Mr. Blandings builds his dream house, which is not a major Cary Grant film. Wow. But minor yeah, nice Um, And yeah, it's just Larry Cohen's interesting because you'll hear about kind of these renaissance guys working with smaller budget kind of not giving a shit and hurting everyone around, but he really respects all the people he works with. He almost has kind of a Robert Altman relationship Mm. with actors in a way, which is, I think is really interesting when you look at the kind of films he makes. Mm -hmm. And I, I love his commentaries. He has a great memory and like he, he just has a lot of respect for what he did.
1: Awesome. Very cool. All right. Very cool. Um, well, I think um, does anyone else have anything to add about the It's Live trilogy? Speak now or forever hold your peace.
4: The second one's the best one. Thank you. <laughs> and you can send all uh, all you're not a real
5: film fan uh, threats to by oh, okay. DMs <laughs> on Twitter. D- okay,
1: Flinko.
5: but really look at your lives, people. <laughs> Before you send that message about the sequel to it's alive.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um <laughs> I si, side tangent, side tangent. Um do you do you both get a lot of like DMs from a lot of random people? Does that happen?
4: Uh random people
1: Cuz I have uh, my I have yeah. mine locked the fuck down. Like you have to be like my friend basically. Yeah, I have to, we at least to have to be following each other. You know what I mean?
4: Uh, I keep my pretty open for the most part. There was mm. there was one time where I I kind of shut it down after I published like this one thing that like white dudes really didn't like, <laughs> and then like I, I opened it up a week later and it was fine.
3: Oh, okay. But
4: um, yeah, for the most part, like Twitter it is almost entirely responsible for like every job I get. Yeah. So like instead right. of like I, LinkedIn and Facebook like do okay. nothing for me. But oh
3: yeah, <laughs> in my Twitter just...
4: someone will read something that I had done. And an editor will reach out to me and be like, hey, I read that thing. You know, you're welcome to pitch here anytime." Oh, and then, sweet. Right. So I always keep that stuff open. And then there's usually someone who, um, if I talk about wanting to see some movie, there's usually someone who says, oh, it, I got it available at my library. I live in California. Maybe you can get that movie, you know, uh, brought down to to your library so you can see it for free. Um, so I get a lot of stuff like that. I uh, rarely get, like, threats or anything like okay, that. okay.
1: Uh, Awesome. I just, yeah. I just, I hear horror stories from people on, you know, a lot of women on Twitter. I hear horror mm-hmm. stories about people sliding into DMs where they shouldn't. And I was just like, man, I locked that shit down. So
4: I couldn't. I that couldn't actually know. happens a lot on Instagram for me. Ugh. Yeah. That's, that's where that happens. Yeah, it's right. it
1: weird. Hey
3: people, because
4: I got like pictures of my kids on Instagram, so you think <laughs> oh, that no. be like, well, because you think that they'd be like, oh, she's a mom, so maybe I'm just not gonna mess around with that. But <laughs> they're like, no, hey, look at my dick. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> like every time. Everyone stop, like, guys,
1: stop it. Unsolicited yeah. DMs are not cool uh, unless you're offering like legitimate work or legitimate conversation. Okay. <laughs> Everyone, stop it! Everyone, stop.
4: I feel like I feel like your listeners are not the kind of people who would send unsolicited DMs. No, we
1: have uh, the the ten people that listen are fucking awesome. I, I, there's more than that, actually. I, I'm I'm club scum members. I apologize. There's more of you than ten. Um, and thank you, by the way. You guys are awesome. Uh, I'm hoping we get maybe we can get some bloopers in here for the patrons i don't know this has been a really cool smooth discussion and uh i don't know if there'll be any bloopers so clubs gun members i apologize we have 21 patrons yeah you know I, I, when i edit i try to do bloopers for the patrons for the clubs gun members but i think this this conversation has been pretty uh pretty fucking awesome i may not cut anything out um
4: sweet <laughs> it's like a swarm. my stuff is almost always cut out because i ramble
1: uh no, we yeah, this has been good. We've been we've been I think we've kept on track. Uh twenty one Club Scum members, you guys are awesome. If you would like to be uh a member of Club Scum, you just head over to Patreon, patreon.com slash scream underscore cast. <clears throat> Am I thirteen? My voice is cracked. You
4: are you turned this into is, Bobby Brady and go
1: into the bloopers right here. <laughs> right here is the first blooper. Uh Patreon slash and Charlie just snorted. Charlie, God, my dog snorts. Uh, he snores patreon.com slash scream underscore cast you can become a member of club scum get an official membership card you get uh i haven't done a i need to do a uh a drawing really soon uh i got a bunch of stuff to give away so i'll be doing a lot of drawings so all clubs go members are bit, uh open to those and uh and then you hear like you know bloopers and bullshit and uh you know discussions on the Patreon page, so if you want to do that, uh, there's a little plug for that. Anya, thank you so much for joining us on the screencast today. Is there thank anything? Thank you guys left? for having me. What have you been up to? What have, where have you been writing? I know that you are going to be doing some stuff for Fangoria. Yes. yes. Holy been, shit!
4: They were crazy <laughs> enough to let me talk Holy about horror shit. with them these people Um, you've
1: done you've done some writing for some book stuff so right now I need to hear everything you're doing so I can make sure that I track it down and uh, read it slash buy it and I need to say that that Predator article was fucking amazing
4: yeah like, amazing.
1: And I was like, hear I, I, that, I was going
4: to. People like it.
1: I was going to. I clicked on it. And I was like, I'll oh, just read this real quick. And I was like, holy shit. This is like some in-depth. Like, holy shit. Like, I was like, I need to go home and go to my couch in my office uh, and sit down and read this thing and digest it. It was really, really great.
4: So what what he's talking about here is I wrote a piece about Predator for my gender bashing column. I have a column <laughs> on Dread Central called Gender Bashing where I talk about horror movies and genre movies from a gendered perspective. Uh, sometimes I talk about men. Sometimes I talk about women. And that particular month, this particular month, I talked about Predator and about hyper-masculinity. And I put it in context of Reaganism. And some people didn't like that. They did not care for it. And uh, others others liked it. And so um, it generated a lot of discussion. And uh, that's what I try to do with the call. I'm not trying to like, troll people, but that's what I try to do. <laughs> and... Um, Yeah, I have something coming up in Fangoria. I I don't think I'm supposed to say exactly what the article is about, but I am going to be in the new issue, the, the first revival issue in October. So be sure to get your subscription and the book. I am, have a chapter coming up in a book called Scared Sacred Religion and Idolatry in Horror Films. Oh, my God. It's like, yeah, yeah, that is, it's like my church
1: right there. <laughs>
4: right. Like I've heard some of the other proposed chapters and some of the other names involved, like Alexander West is going to uh, put in a chapter. And it's like right up your alley. It's it's the, the, they're talking about paganism. They're talking about Christianity, Catholicism, atheism. Oh. Um all kinds of good stuff. You're, you're going to love it.
1: I'm going to side plug for my, my podcast, the armature philosopher, uh, Anya, I may have to enlist you to round up some people to do a, uh, a podcast about that book.
4: Oh yes. Actually, you know what the editor? Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a way to, to make that happen.
1: Okay. All right. Awesome. I'm excited for that. Anything else?
4: Uh, no, I think that's it. Um, any of my writing can be found on AnyaWrights.com. That's where I keep all my most recent clips, uh, including links to the latest podcast episodes that I pop up on when people are crazy enough to let me talk about an <laughs> article. Uh, so yeah, that's Anya, A-N-Y-A, rights.com That's where you can find just about anything because I'm on a lot of – I talk about it wherever they'll let me.
1: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And uh, Bookish Plinko on Twitter.
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Everybody I talk out. about – Halloween six, I talk about how is talking about how <laughs> it's alive too is the best one of the three. And I talk about uh uh Robert Mitchum quite a bit. I awesome. like
1: him. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Stephanie, you have been pretty busy as well. Like both of you are like way more busy than I am in this in this world. Uh Stephanie, what have you what have you been? You've been guesting on podcasts you've been writing some stuff for some like bigger websites and everything. What's been going on with you? you have your tales from the crypt series i'm not
5: following fangoria sir i'm sorry oh
1: come on you have your you have your tales from the crypt series which is amazing and i'm gonna be giving away some tales from the crypt uh seasons by the way everybody uh club scum members watch out um tell us tell us about that and what podcast okay. have you guessed on recently? Come on. Now's your time.
5: Okay. Um, twice monthly, first and third Tuesdays at Dread Central. I'm covering Tales from the Crypt, but I'm looking into basically the horror pedigree of who's doing each episode. And just seeing if there's a difference between people who don't really have a background in horror and those who do. It was just an idea I was curious about. And I'm writing that's a lot of fun. And it's really good. You should read it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and um podcast I just did a Kill by Kill yesterday. So that should be coming out not too far away. And I have a another just um just the discs with Brian Sauer. What?
1: Uh, so- you and Brian Sauer just need to do your own podcast and then you can leave. The slums of Screamcast behind. Just you, you and Brian is doing this amazing show. You're no, always he's,
5: he's Screamcast royalty. It's all <laughs> connected.
1: Yes, yes. No, I I love I love those episodes when you when you show up on there. It's fantastic. Thank you. Well, awesome. Well, um, let's see. What do I got to plug? What do I got to plug for the Screamcast? Go to go to the Screamcast.com. Everything's there. Subscribe to the show. Go to ScreamingPods.com. And gives give all those shows some love. I know that there's a new Splat House that just came out. Uh, allegedly, there's more Sov Pod coming out, and I keep. Waiting. Oh yeah,
5: I have one of those coming out really soon.
1: Uh, wow, yeah. Uh, so that's going to be resurrected. A lot of great shows on there. Uh, Bloody Popcorn, um, and I'm working on um, just a bunch of other shows on there. And uh, there may be a, a, a maybe a few more. Some juggling going on. Uh, maybe bring in on a couple more episodes. Uh, so go to ScreamingPaws.com. Check that out. If you want to support the show, of course, you can click on uh, on the store link and you can buy some Screamcast swag. And, of course, you can go to our Patreon page and become a member of Club Scum over at Patreon.com slash Scream underscore cast. What do they call all of our uh, sponsors? Hold on. Let's, I got to do the sponsor. Who is not Coke Zero. Not Coke Zero. Yes. <laughs> uh, Not
4: Baker's cof- Mark. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> coffee Shop of Horrors. Uh, <laughs> they just opened a physical location. So if you're in the neighborhood of Coffee Shop of Horrors, they're in Orlando. Um, but I, I feel like their their actual coffee shop is. Maybe more in, you know, not in, I guess it's in Orlando somewhere. There's all these weird names around there. But, uh, I'm super, like, I wish I lived in the area because I would like love to swing by their shop. It looks amazing. So if you're in the Orlando area, uh, and you want to stop by their store, hit them up. You can hit them up on Facebook. Um, just type in Coffee Shop of Horrors and you'll be able to find it and stop by their, their store. But of course, you can go to the website, CoffeeShopOfHorrors.com. You can type in Screamcast as your little, uh, Coupon code and get like 10% off. So, some amazing coffees there. Um, they have a Boogie's Nightmare Brew, which is like a butterscotch toffee. That's uh, incredible. Um, and of course, uh, grindhousevideo.com. If you're looking up some vi- movies, you want to buy some shit, go to grindhousevideo.com. He'll have most of your stuff there. And uh, if not, you can just hit him up on Facebook too. Mike's awesome. He always is very attentive. So you can find them on Facebook, Grindhouse Video Tampa. And of course, music by Wolfman of Mars, art by Kevin Spencer, Anya. Thanks again for joining us on the Screamcast today, and we'll talk to all of you next time. Bye-bye.
3: Oh, don't tell me you're leaving, The party's just begun.